Murder, man. Es ist Frank Carrasco und ich habe Murder, Metal Mayhem und das Siege hier uns als Studios ist Spreading faster than a case of the clap in a trailer court. Able to shatter eardrums within a 666 mile radius. A podcast more brutal than all the rest. It's Murder, Metal Hell yeah, man. Old Fred Carrasco. Fred Carrasco. Doing a little promo for us, taking some time out. We are kind of sitting here in the studio tonight at gunpoint, so there's that. (laughs) (laughs) Not a whole lot we could do about it. Right, exactly. So it is Tuesday, guys, and we're throwing down a new Murder Metal Mayhem here at Horns High Studios for the Horns High Podcast Network, episode 183. So definitely, uh, you know, digging on the fact that we just keep churning them out. And I just noticed I had the wrong episode number at the top, but the correct <laughs> one in the notes. So 183. Chris, Joey, I got you guys in here. Everybody doing all right? Oh, yeah. Doing good, man. Fuck, Fuck yeah. yeah. Weather's been pretty decent. Hell yeah. You know? Work's going like work. Yeah, like work. <laughs> got 4th of July coming up, yeah, so that's sir. cool. Extra uh, three-day weekend. Extra, yeah, long weekend, so definitely digging on that. Not for me, but I get time and a half in holidays. Oh, so there I'm you go, I'm okay dude. with that. There you go. There you go. All right, well, what shirts we got on tonight, Chris? What do you got going on over there? The old fucking uh, sexual atrocities, fucking Charlie Sheen shirt. Fuck yeah. yeah. Let's get high and fuck shit up. <laughs> Very good. Joey, what about you, man? Uh, I got the Necro Cannibal Ass Grinder shirt. I of had to course. wear that today since that's the medals. Hell yeah. Very cool. And, and I got yours my... is also necessary. Necessary, yes. It is. It is. I got mine uh, from the fucking Huntsville prison, Hell old yeah. Sparky shirt that uh, Tech sent me. Yep. So appreciate Tech. You're getting me some duds, and uh, I'm going to be sporting this tonight. Fuck yeah. Since we're talking about old... Well, we're not talking about old Sparky, we're but that's where prison. old Sparky right. was prison. doing his right. thing. Yeah, yeah. so... So it uh, it should be a good one tonight. Now, last week, guys, we did another Australian case. Old David and Catherine Bernie. Goddamn, dude! Fuck! How up. did they get together? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like her undying yeah. love was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, at fourteen years old, they just found each other and just fucking did some horrible Put shit. Put the P in the V and started killing. That's right. Nineteen eighty six, though, they did their murder in. And uh, it was just horrible. So one of the worst in the the country's history. So not a huge body count with four, but some really devious, horrible shit. And, um, you know, harmless victims had no fucking, you know, just awful like we were talking about. They were college kids, you know, kid women that had a future that were doing stuff. Right, and they just ran and grab them like fucking... Yeah, so, and our friend Mick, the Australian police officer, uh, he sent us an email, guys. That was really cool of him to say we did a good job with that. So thanks, Mick. And uh, he was a federal police officer, former. And uh, And I did did uh, (laughs) 0110011. That's right, that's right. Uh, We're going with Avni. Yeah, (laughs) you did that (laughs) crazy-ass feature, Chris. That was great. That binary code fucking band name. That's crazy. 
Uh, but that was cool. Uh, something I didn't know a damn thing about. Hell yeah. So, right. uh, killer cage match was fun. Uh, we had three mayhem stories, and tonight, guys, we got three mayhem yes, stories. We do. Yes, we do. So, and Chris, what's the theme of the mayhem stories? We're all three going to talk about a certain time in life that we just got our asses kicked, like literally. All three of us individually, <laughs> in different times, yeah, stories different times. of yeah, not us all... getting our asses kicked. Yeah, yeah. So that should be a good one tonight. Uh, I had not planned on it. You guys came to the table with this. And I'm like, you know what? I got a pretty good story about getting my ass whipped. We're hanging so, out at the nation last night and just talking about, you know, shit that happened. And we're like, man, I'm going to tell that one. Chris is like, I'm going to tell yeah, right. like, yeah, that. Yeah, cool. like, fuck yeah. Yeah, that's that. usually how the good ones come yeah. out, you know. So that should be fun tonight. But uh, last week we had three of them as well. So karaoke, all the crazy stuff. You missed episode 182. Go on and give it a listen. We're passing 800 to that one today. So thanks to everybody that did uh, listen. And if you didn't, go back and do it. And apparently people are fucking checking out some of the older episodes. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Sure. If, if you're Very somebody cool. that's newer that's you know checking Going out all back the old to shit. the old ones, yeah. Thank you. That's, that's really cool. Now, tonight we're doing another prison story, guys. We love doing the prison stories. And, Chris, we got one guy we always call when we're going to do a good prison tale. Every time, fucking text himself. The Hell, man. yeah. Fuck text yeah, coming in to talk to us via the Internet. We should get, like, a light-up red phone like the commissioner. Oh, Batman. that'd be great. <laughs> like the text phone. Oh, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> we might have to, text. We might have to get a cardboard cutout. That would be awesome. Buddy's, buddy's obscured, so we would have to would blur the black. face. <laughs> black. Yeah. That'd be funny that the cutout place would call me and be like, uh, what the hell did you send me? Like it's all silhouette. blurry, or it's got a box over his, oh, his eyes, or, or whatever. Just yeah. fucking do it. Just do it, man. Just do it. It's fucking text. <laughs> of course, you'd have to have a cowboy hat on. Oh yeah, you have to. So, we got text on tonight talking about one he picked, guys. Eleven day brutal standoff at the Huntsville prison called the Huntsville Prison <laughs> Siege in 1974. Uh, two inmates and two hostages died in this one, and the uh, the taco that the thing they made to get out yeah. of there is just too rich. I mean, just yeah. too rich. I can't wait to Complete talk. Complete fail. Total. It's gonna be. I mean, yeah. you, you guys will hear about it. Yeah, you will. You will. So there's a taco involved in this, and we'll leave it at that. So this should be fun. Uh, so Tex is warming up in the bullpen. Uh, Joey, you got the horns tonight. What's your plan, brother? I do, as I was uh, saying earlier with my shirt. Um, fucking, I'm doing Texas or uh, Texas Illinois <laughs> band Necro Cannibal Ass Grinder, and that's our buddy Gummo Wall Bacon. As our listeners may have seen him on the thing, cause hell yeah, he's a faithful listener of ours. He is, but uh, yeah, so it was pretty cool. Uh, before I left, I got to sit down with him. He came up and we did an interview, so you guys will get part of that tonight, and then the whole thing will go live also. Yeah, very cool. Well, that's the day after this goes live, the yeah. uh, full interview will go live, so that'll be awesome. And Chris, you got a Lost Classic for us tonight? I got one, yeah, I do. Awesome. Fuck yeah. So we'll do that in Mayhem. I'm sorry, in Metal. Yeah, just do it in Mayhem. Yeah, instead. just Fuck scramble it. them we'll up. Tell, we'll tell Next stories. April Fools, let's do the segments <laughs> out of order, man. Right? Yeah. Uh, that would be fun. Do the outro first, you know. Uh, <laughs> do it backwards. Yeah, that would be funny. 
right. Killer cage match tonight, guys. That's when we have our listeners provide us some random numbers on our Facebook page so we know who's going to fight in a steel cage to the death. Right on. So Chris? We got, yeah, so we got Dan Lance. We got Justin, who uh, the numbers are 419, 419 represent for Punky. Yeah, that was awesome. He put for Punky. <laughs> I know. Justin so cool. Morris. And uh, back again with a new name, fucking Ray Longdonger McFalls. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Longdonger. He's not even being like sexual innuendo here. It's just straight He's up like, I got big dick. <laughs> so, wow. Ray McFalls back again. So thanks to you guys, all three guys tonight. That's been a while. I'm just breaking character. Just got to laugh real fast because I typed that. I put that message on the thing. Oh, when he, when he uh, commented on the fucking uh, killer cage match numbers, all I put was Ray Longdonger McFalls. <laughs> I knew popped, it was one of but you. it popped up as Merlot Ma'am, of course. Right. But as soon as I put, because it was like early and I was all you know just high off the stove and shit. Right, right. I was like, man, maybe that wasn't so fucking appropriate, you know? <laughs> and I didn't fucking even look to see about it, but then I see it in the notes whenever Pete did. I was like, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Because <laughs> Pete was being nice about it. Like, he wasn't just straight up saying, you know, something as perverted as long dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was kind of running out of ideas, so I appreciated the, yeah. the input there, you know, for sure. Uh, so, yeah. So tonight, though, we've got a good one. Boy, this is one of the more violent, killer cage matches we've ever had i think we've got some good fucking uh you know match up tonight going at it joey who do we have fighting tonight oh man Man, we got fucking uh some sick motherfuckers tonight we got fucking night stalker richard ramirez and he's gonna go up against fucking toolbox killer roy pliers bitteker oh man! so only one of the toolbox killers right so we're keeping it even fight right here the nastier of the The two for sure pliers yeah i might have to bust our pliers fucking deviant as fuck right right (laughs) i got some pliers that i can fucking wrench ramirez's face with that's right that's right (laughs) so they're gonna have a couple of objects and a variable to make it interesting we always know that could change things dramatically we've seen that in the cage so we'll do that (laughs) It mayhem tonight. That'll be fun. The fucking one with Michael last week. Yeah, yeah. It, it, <laughs> with the sugar baby. Oh, know? yeah. What did he say he, about he that? Te- he, all he texted me was like, oh, that's fucking gross, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always fun getting Michael involved in that shit. All right. We got a new mask coming. I'm really excited about this. Sick Rick has just gone off the fucking rails with this one. I feel like I Dude. say it with every one he does, but this know, is like but the best, this is the best one. So one, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> what is it, Joey? What's it? What's the, the Jim new Jones? One? Jim Jones. Yeah. Shade so fucking, fucking reverend tight, himself. He's got the fucking glasses yeah, just yeah. right. Yeah. The skin tone went with the natural yep. skin tone, although he did do a zombie. That one, one was bad. That looked fucking yeah. wicked, but the, I really like the yeah. natural skin tone. We've got a variety of them. That'll be our ninth Sick Rick mask, and Sick Rick is going to be a sponsor on the Fuck podcast. Yeah, Chris, we got a new bit we're going to start doing here soon. Yes, we do. And that'll be All fun. for Sick Rick masks. Yeah, uh, so it's going to be fun. We'll, we'll rotate the masks around. We're going to put one on the table and talk about it, maybe even get the input of the mask, You know, which would be interesting when we hit the black metal Venom Dominus mask. Yeah, that yeah. should be interesting. Uh, and we've got, you know, all these serial killers and all this crazy shit here in the studio with us. So that'll be fun. 
Uh, also wanted to say thank you. I've had a number of people. Uh, Mick was one. Uh, Shane, and then your buddy up in Canada. Oh, Michael Bain. Yeah, Michael yeah. Bain. We had had several listeners comment about the dugout dick episode, yeah, which is yeah. really cool. <laughs> now Mick mentioned, I've got the email, I haven't looked I it saw up him yet. Say, yeah, yeah. He mentioned a guy that it reminded him I of. I did see Spoons, it. I can't, right? Yeah, so I don't know if that's a, an Australian case or not. I'm going to check it out. But great suggestion from Mick, but we got a lot of people Chris that just really liked well, like that episode. The, oh, and, like, we thought it was just kind of a palate cleanse, you know? Right, yeah, because after all the fucking women shit. But yeah, yeah then my, but other brother, all y'all seem to like it. Like, yeah. Dude, that was good. I love the change up of how, like, it doesn't have to always be fucking murder and violence and shit. Like, yeah, I mean, it, there was a little bit of that in there, right, but, but very still, little. Like, was mostly it was kind lighthearted, of a, dude. Yeah, lighthearted. This motherfucker, this dude 90 that just what years old, hitchhikes everybody. all the way back. Right? <laughs> like, dude. <laughs> So, yeah, so I, I'm going to check out the Spoons yeah. character that Mick uh, suggested. So, so yeah, thanks. If you missed that Dugout Dick episode, it was a bonus. It's been a few weeks ago now. Uh, we were just passing 1,000 to that one. So that has been a fairly popular uh, yeah. episode. So that's really cool. Uh, thank you to everybody out there listening to Murder Metal Mayhem. We keep seeing those numbers. Last week, guys, we were just at about 3,200, which is awesome. Yeah. So thank you, everybody. Got new people coming to the table. Like Joey pointed out, obviously listen to the old ones. If the new episode just passed 800, that's 2,400 yeah. episodes of other listening. ones yeah, that right. people are listening to. Fucking A. So yeah, so thanks. Well, guys, we've got a lot on our plate tonight. It's probably the Richard Kraft fucking brutal rewind over and over. No, actually, he is. that episode is firmly at three. Yeah. But the Columbine one is still, closing still in going. on number, number one. It's still a ways off. But I see like every week like 30, 40, 50 listens just to that Columbine episode. So that's really cool. And I also oh, yeah. hope that means that people that heard that episode like how we did that episode. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's an important case. And, and we just had the school shooting, unfortunately. Exactly, and I yeah. think that's one of the reasons why people are really tuning right, into that. Right, it brings the attention up. It really does. So kind so of the iconic a one. hard bet copy of Reasonable Doubt for Joey, dude. Yeah, what was that place? You mentioned a CNC Music Factory. <laughs> what is, I saw nice. that and I'm like, what Courtney the fuck found, is that? Chris and Courtney. Okay. Okay. They found it for me. So I just I was going to text you, like, where is that yeah. place? I need to go yeah. check it out. Now I know it's Chris and Courtney's place. No, I think they found it. was free, it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was free where my mom, at, where my mom works oh, at. Oh, cool. They had it there. It was like, awesome. fuck, I'm going to grab that. I got a, a salt that's back That's the copy, original but, one, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I was yeah. like, fuck yeah, I want that. That's very cool. Yeah. I didn't know what that was was though no. yeah i know that's I hilarious well, like i said probably nobody knew what the hell i was talking i did about, as soon as i because right, obviously yeah. but yeah <laughs> all right guys we are going to take a trip south where it's warmer down to the great state of texas talk to our boy tex hopefully though we don't get caught up in a prison siege hell so. we're in one in the studio we need to fucking get our murder on y'all <laughs> y'all <laughs>
yeah, man, some gruesome. The song Inhumane, those guys are killer. Little bit of a death, like uh, just a tribute to death, very inspired by death. Right. They don't pull any punches. That's like their shtick, you know, but they're amazing. Former members of Exhumed, Possess, Malevolent Creation. I mean, just like an all-star band. Hell yeah. Amazing fucking players. Just really, really dig those guys. So uh, just jam that shit. All right, well, we got our buddy Tex on here with us tonight. Yeah, Guys, up, we're all Tex? fired up. How's it going, Tex? Oh, it's going pretty well, man. Just trying to get back in the swing of, you know, what I do after being in the woods for a few weeks. <laughs> right. Yeah, how are you doing with that uh, post-manhunt? Uh, uh, we all kind of breathe a sigh of relief, man, after this dude was caught and dealt with, that's for sure. Right. Um, you know, the really big regret I have and. What's going to stick with me forever is the five innocent lives that were lost. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, you know, dude. TDCJ like failed. Yeah. yeah. I can understand, though, where you guys are coming from with that. Definitely very unfortunate, but in no way, you know, you guys caught his ass, and that's what, and that's the important thing. He didn't get any more, you know. Think right. of how many more yeah. people could have been killed by this guy if you guys didn't put a stop to it, so. Very true, very true. Now, tonight, we're going to be doing the case of the Huntsville Prison Siege of 1974 uh, at the Texas State Penitentiary in Huntsville, in Huntsville, Texas. Uh, The walls unit, as it's known, these huge fucking walls that surround it, uh, reminds me of like these old school ones we've done, like Sing Sing and some of those. Yeah, yeah. We enjoy doing these prison stories, and this should definitely be a good one. It's one of the longest-standing hostage-taking sieges in U.S. history. And the man at the center of it all is this murderer who was doing life, uh, Fred Carrasco. And uh, we're going to get into his story and how it all went down. And And the reason that he did it. Yeah, plenty of murder, plenty of mayhem here tonight. And Tex, you're the one, so thank you for bringing this one up. But what made you want to suggest it to us? Hey, you mentioned the murder, you mentioned the mayhem. There's also metal in this story, too. Those big-ass heavy helmets that they had. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. Think of that. (laughs) True metal heads, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how this situation hasn't been turned into a movie, to be honest with you. I'm I mean, surprised, too. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised Like, more people, because I didn't know about it. No, me neither. You know, so this yeah. is one I didn't know anything about, which I love that. Yeah. You know, I love finding out about something did not know about. So we were just talking about this earlier with the Dugout Dick episode. We had a listener from Australia, a 666 Club member, contact us and said he loved uh, that episode. Kind of cool to hear us do something different. Yeah. So he really liked it. And then he suggested one, this dude named Spoons. So we're going to check that out. But, you know, we're always up for doing something different. And these, you know, prison stories are just really awesome. And love to have you on because you, of course, work in the corrections field. You're in Texas. And you're, you know, obviously a very, very... A good resource to ask questions when we're doing an episode like this. Oh, one. cool! Thank so, you, man. Yeah, fuck yeah. Now, yeah, I did most of my research at the the prison museum on this one. So, anybody in Texas, you ever out Huntsville way? Go to the Texas Prison Museum. 
Fucking hey, dude. Yeah, and I appreciate I you got it. me that shirt, Chris. I got or Tex. I got it on right <laughs> uh, tonight. The uh, the old Sparky shirt. So oh, right on, so, man. Fuck yeah. So <laughs> so yeah. So that's a cool museum. I was checking out some pictures of it online, which is really cool. Now, Chris, our prison episodes, some of the most popular, like the Black Dolphin, right. which is yeah. in the top five episodes most listened to by our fans. So. What do you think it is about the prison stories, man? Fucking same reason, uh, like people watch like the Locked Up Abroad and shit. They want to see what life is like there. Like, what the fuck is this really right. happening? And then when you hear about how inmates fucking straight like took it over for days, they're like, "Wait, how the fuck did this even happen?" Right? Because like, we've done like, some brutal mm-hmm. ones, man. I mean, for sure, the New Mexico Attica. I mean. We've done some Black Dolphin. We've done some pretty brutal stuff. And this one is, you know, a bunch of killing and just craziness. Joey, we've covered the escapes, which are cool. Like your suggestion, we did the uh, Texas 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 7, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're they're interesting. I mean, like I said, we got a handful of them under our belt now. Right. Um, It's a good subject. And there's always usually, you know murder and always some mayhem involved right. and and a guy behind the scenes almost like that always mastermind. a mastermind a criminal fucking genius almost yeah. uh and this time i it's not so much that fred carrasco was one of the smartest motherfuckers <laughs> right. this dude was just Ballsy, so man. goddamn connected right and so fucking his attitude was so fucking like narcissistic right and he didn't fucking have zero respect for the authority that was holding him right he would he thought himself larger than that so yeah uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting one yeah for sure now like i said i wasn't familiar with this one until tex brought it up i know you know our listeners like these kind of stories i know we all do and you know they're going to hear this from as we always talk about we don't just watch one documentary or go on wikipedia and just regurgitate a bunch of shit anybody could find we're doing a lot more than that. We got Tex on here, of course, on you know on the ground, basically there. But you know, we're telling it murder metal mayhem style, so that I think we adds our own little touch to this. So, <laughs> um, and you know, like Mick said, you know, he says, you know, you could listen to these other podcasts and they're talking about the folly I do and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes you just want to hear somebody say, you know, that's fucked. Yeah, and I love what he said mm-hmm. next. I'm like, you know, that's true. I mean, we're sitting here talking about some pretty fucking grisly ass right. shit, yeah. and every now and then you're just like, God damn, what the fuck? What the you fuck know? am I doing right like, now? Like, holy shit, you know, like what? <laughs> so uh, you don't get that on the more sanitized shows. You know, you're getting the real deal here with us and the folly I do, Chris, because we bring it up all the time, <laughs> right? Man. Right. When we can, when Thinking we about can, the same sounding thing. smart here. Uh, so yeah, so we're gonna get into this one uh, with old Fred Rico. We calling him Fred. That's how we went. Uh, Gomez Carrasco, uh, born in San Antonio, Texas, 1940. He's of Mexican descent. Uh, he's known as a drug kingpin. So South Texas. Some said he was the biggest and deadliest drug lord in the Texas Mexico border area 
at the time. Now, we all know how fucking brutal that world is. Oh, so yeah. to, to say this mm. dude was the that, deadliest one of them all. That's, that's a tall feat right there. That's man. saying some shit yeah. there. So holy shit. Uh, he was known as El Senor and also El Viejo. The old man. The old man. He's only, he's 34, only 34. Yeah. But he's calling the shots like he is the old man. Dealt in cocaine and heroin, so the hard stuff, and went to places all over the United States. The Mexican police actually believe it was responsible for up to 50. I saw some reports that 40, but 40, 50, I mean, Jesus Christ, that's yeah. a lot of fucking people. Now, Tex, this was one bad motherfucker. I saw that he never smiled. Did you see that? Yeah, I did, man. Um uh... He was arrested in '72 uh, in Guadalajara with 213 pounds of heroin. God damn! <laughs> yeah, about a hundred million dollars. Yeah, at uh, that he escaped time. after. Yeah, he escaped after bribing the Mexican authorities, dude. Wow, big surprise there, right? Uh, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. yeah. I'm isn't out. that just the cost of doing business in Mexico? It seems you know, bribing like, hey, the dude, I got a lot of money. I'll give you a bunch. Just let me get the fuck out of here, dude. Right? Yeah. I like, mean, Tex, what is <laughs> that about Mexico with the police corruption? I mean, why is that? Do you think? Well, they, yeah, they pretty much always had an unstable government down there. Yeah. Um, various with all the cartels and all the money they generate. You know, everybody's got somebody in their back pocket. Right. And uh, Carrasco was probably the biggest heroin kingpin in Mexico, uh, the Rio Grande Valley. So, you know, he had it made, or so it seemed anyway. That's true. That's true. So, yeah, so he ends up getting arrested again in San Antonio in July of 73. So he escapes, pays off the fucking authorities, Gets arrested again, this time in San Antonio, July of 73. Gets in a shootout with police. This motherfucker is shot four times, but survives. And after the shootout, he gets arrested for attempting to kill a police officer. And they wind up putting him away for life. They were so afraid of him escaping there in Bear County in San Antonio that they sent him to the Huntsville prison right away so he wouldn't fucking escape did he speaking of bear county chris i was listening to a podcast about this they said bexar county and i'm like you know what (laughs) i made that mistake but i admitted it but i put in the notes b-e-a-r right right so i don't say i may have heard that same one (laughs) yeah it's like nails on a chalkboard now that i listen to it it's funny. There's uh, so I apologize, Texans that are listening. When I lived down in uh, Texas, or whenever I lived outside Dallas, there's a town there, and it's called Salina, and it's spelled C E L I N A. Yeah. My mom's name is spelled the exact same way, but she goes by Selena. Selena. Oh. So yep. it, Whenever I went down there, every time they would sound like, "No, it's Selena." Yeah, <laughs> but, that's funny. but down there, I was wrong. You know. What I'm yeah. Well, like here in Illinois, we have a San Jose, but they call it San, San Joe's. Joe's. Yeah. And it's like, no, what? that's San Jose. Yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> the yeah. town fucking outside of here called Leroy. It was Leroy my whole fucking life growing up in this area. When I moved back, all of a sudden they changed the name to a big R, and they're like, "Oh no, it's Leroy." Oh Jesus! And I'm, like, I'm like, it's Leroy. No, it's, it's Leroy. Le- no, it's Leroy. Oh, yeah. Jesus. yeah, that's just funny. So, uh, so Carrasco ends up arrested. Um, 
you know, he's he ends up now in Bear County. They're sending him away. They want him the fuck out of there. But Chris, he doesn't take long to make a little bit of a move here. Dude, I think it's fucked up though. He got like the prison time as a plea deal to get his wife to not go to fucking prison. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's like he they did everything together and he's just like, no, nah, fuck that. She ain't doing nothing. I will take whatever plea you want. Right. She just gets to go away. And they fucking did it. You know you gotta have money for that. Cause any of that's us true. Anybody of us did that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh I'll take all of it. You let her go. Right. Yeah. They're, they're going to be like, no, like, fuck, fuck you. We're you. getting both of you. Fuck that. Right. Right. Like, but yeah, he's totally fucking did that. But I and yeah, started smuggling guns and fucking ammo into that place somehow. I don't even remember how that happened. In a canned ham. In canned ham. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. How the fuck is that yep. even happening? He was man? getting it through one of the trustees because he fucking threatened him. Yeah, like, I will fucking kill yeah. you. So you're going to do this and fucking, yeah, sure enough. I don't know. It's the same thing. We had some other dude we were talking about at one point that was getting shit snuck in through, like, ham or something. It's yeah. like, man, how the fuck? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, that is kind of crazy. Because that's like only part of this. Like that inmate getting it to you, like that's part of this. Right. Where's the other part where it's coming from the outside yeah. of the prison in? Getting into the actual right, prison. Right. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's just, you know, one of those things we see with these stories all the time. It's like, how does this happen? And how many things you smuggled in for inmates, Tex? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Tex is a smart guy. Uh, I know, I know. I'm of fucking course, around. of course. Now, Tex, what are the differences with prisons in Texas now as compared to, you know, 1974 when this is going on? Because obviously it still happens. But I don't know about guns yeah. and ammo, though. But what, what do you think? What, what do you got to say on it? Well, see, back in the day, uh, like inmate houseboys, uh, around the walls unit, there's a bunch of houses. Okay. And they're all like wardens and uh, directors and stuff like that. And they'd have inmate houseboys that would, right. they were trustees, but they would come out, um, do whatever, like butler or clean house or Make, do whatever. Lawn maintenance uh, and out shit. There. And they would, uh, you know, walls unit is like right there. Um, in downtown Huntsville. So they'd go out for the day, um, get breakfast for the family, go down to the donut shop or whatever and come back. So they, they had wow. pretty free access. Wow. So I have a feeling that's how the the uh, guns and stuff got into the hams uh, and the ammo, all that stuff too. But yeah. now... We don't really do that anymore. We don't really do that no more. No more houseboys. So, huh? No, no more houseboys. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we have outside trustees, but we have uh, bosses or officers go out and check on them. And, yeah, and everybody's and going nowadays. through a metal detector, right? I mean. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, that, that it just it, it always blows my mind when we read these stories. But then, you know, like Joey or Chris was saying, when you got money like that, you know, you can make shit happen. And obviously yeah. this guy did. So I had really? a lot of powerful oh, yeah. friends. So yeah, a lot of outside connections. Big time. Big time. Now, Huntsville is where the executions are done, right, Tex? Uh, yes. That's where they're actually done. Um, the inmates are housed at other prisons, though, until, you know, the night before they come in and Right. Is that um, how long it is, their, the night before? 
Dude. Um, actually, it's the day before, and they get to make phone calls and right. Just that, prepare crazy, themselves though. for. You're right. leaving your yeah. basically. You're leaving your home to go somewhere else to know you're put to death. That's weird. Yeah, that yeah. is because that's basically up. their like, yeah. That's their house. Yeah. Right, right. And I got to leave exactly. here. To know, that's fucking nuts. Yeah, that's that's yeah. very fascinating. Um, now, Carrasco and two other convicts take 11 prison workers and four other inmates hostage in the prison library on July 24th of 1974. You know, July 24th, 74, I, I'm starting to figure out why this story wasn't bigger than what it was. What's that? Because a couple months later in the same state, Texas, there was this fucking terrible Texas chainsaw massacre that happened. Oh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That that was the same year, 74. (laughs) That's hilarious. hilarious. That damn Texas chainsaw massacre. Also, fucking Nixon was going through his shit at the same time. Right. right. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times it is something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, 1974. And, you know, we're talking about the Texas State Penitentiary, as we talked about the Walls Unit. Um, the first prison in Texas it opened its doors and cells in 1849. God damn. Yeah, pictures are very imposing. Takes up, as uh, Tex said, the downtown area of Huntsville's right there. That's crazy. The prison's just right in the middle of the fucking city. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, really? Pontiac? Yeah. Pontiac oh, yeah. Got, yeah Pontiac, no, <laughs> yeah, it's more on the edge, Okay, dude. but still, it's, it's seems There's it's a town the by edge. us, Tex, called Pontiac, and there's a big, maximum, scary-looking like Maximum max joint right on the edge of town. Yeah. But you drive by it, and you're looking at that like, <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> right. It's dangerous. Definitely a yeah, dangerous Yeah, look up point. Pontiac Prison like sometime and check out pictures of it, dude. It's fucking... Yeah, it's like an old school. Like, we'll like talk about Huntsville. that one. We'll yeah. do a prison that one would on be that a good one. one. one to yeah. Do. yeah. That would be a good one. There was one definitely some shit that went down there. Um, so, yeah, very imposing looking place. 55 acres. It's like that classic old prison like we talked about, Sing Sing, Attica. Joey, what do you think, uh, you know, about prisons like this? People imagine that they're like impossible to escape from. But remember when we did that one at Sing Sing? Yeah. Wasn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, a bunch of escapes, you know? Yeah, there's been tons everywhere you go. And some of it's chalked up to, you know, some of the joints are a little bit older or whatnot. So obviously you're going to get fucking uh, leaks in some of the seams, you know, where people are going to figure out how to slip through. But a lot of prison escapes, especially the ones that we talk about, are a lot more fucking straightforward, like take over and get the fuck out. Not a sneak out situation. Alcatraz right. was. Right. Right. Uh, but most of the time it's th- there's some kind of fucking event that they create right. to, to try to make their way. But um the thing with fucking prisons that you got to think about, too, you can't even blame it on all the prisons being old or whatnot because you have these people that are in there, and these people aren't fucking stupid. Right. They may not be smart in every way, but what a lot of them are smart is in the way of criminality. Streets, right. And street, right. And mm-hmm. if you fucking stick something in a fucking container, it's going to fucking figure out a way to get out, and the smarter it is, the better its chances are going to be. And they got nothing to do but figure this shit yeah, out. Yeah, and, and another yep. easy thing in the joint is you can fucking, if you're one of those guys like we said there's usually a mastermind behind these that you're smart enough and you got enough charisma you could talk some of these other fools that are in there with you oh, sure. to somehow aid and abet you Which or also did. get out yeah. right exactly mm-hmm. yeah very good at like getting people to do what he wanted yeah. probably some intimidation because oh, who he was yeah. i mean you're not going to say no to this motherfucker yeah you know 
Not unless you've got a way to get the fuck out of there before him. Um, so, you know, definitely uh, an interesting topic about how do they get out. Now, Tex, do you want to weigh in on that subject with these older prisons and, and how, you know, these older prisons are fortified to meet up with modern technology? Um, yeah, man. Uh, you know, our newest prison in Texas out of a whole hundred um, the newest one was built in either 95 or 96, 1995 or 1996. And the oldest, um, which is the Huntsville unit, the walls. And like you said, it was, uh, it was actually built in 1847 and took the first inmates in 1849. Right. Um, there's a lot of blind spots in some of these older prisons. Uh, so, you know, there's easy ways to, to get out. And like Joey said, um, with time, that's all they have. Right. They can just look at something and come up with a plan, coerce and manipulate other people to help them and stuff like that. Right. But uh, a lot of the, the newer style prisons and the larger prisons here in Texas now, we have video surveillance cameras. Right. I'm not going to say there's no blind spots. But very minimal. Greatly reduced. Right. Yeah. Now, now Huntsville here, the Walls Unit. When it comes to prisons in Texas, would this be a place that inmates would be afraid to go to, or, or is it kind of middle of the road, or what do you? What's the word on the street? Uh, I think it's kind of a show place, right? So they're not going to put like a hardened criminal or anything like that there. Unless they're uh, fixing to get out of prison, okay. It's also a releasing unit. Uh, oh, okay. Um, it's in the media so, eye a lot. Huntsville is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, with the executions and um, it's the first prison. It's kind of was the headquarters for a while. So right. Yeah, it's kind of a high profile type of place. I see. Okay. Yeah, I just was curious because, like, we were talking about Pontiac up here. That's that's a scary place. Right. Um, and, you know, I know from right. talking to my dad in the New York prisons, like Sing Sing, some yeah. of these places are just, like, you don't want to fucking be there. You know? That makes sense, though, if it's fucking looked upon also as a right. historical yeah. element. Yeah, and it's in yeah. a town. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, like, right there. Yeah. You know? That's the other part of this, too. Now, so, when uh, somebody gets executed there, when old Sparky was going down doing that, like, did the lights go out downtown fucking Huntsville? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did old Sparky flicker the lights, text like they see in the movies? You know, there was there's a little. You know, I, I took that picture of old Sparky when I went to the museum and sent it to you. There's a little plaque off to the side. I don't know if I sent you that, but yeah. They did say there was brownouts and uh, <laughs> really? flickering and stuff. <laughs> really? Yeah, they sure did. Be watching a game or something like, motherfucker, they're, they're killing frying somebody, somebody else. else up there at the prison. <laughs> God damn it. So 1 o'clock on July 24th, 1974, this thing kicks off. Carrasco goes up to the library on the third floor of the education building and forces... Several prisoners at a gunpoint. He fires at two guards who are approaching him on the ramp. Um, the two accomplices join Carrasco in the library, and they were Ignacio Cueves and Rodolfo Dominguez. Let me so. tell you what, man. Dude. Fucking libraries. That's, 
This guy uses this for his siege. Oh, Columbine, Columbine. They yeah. go to the library. Fucking yeah. Ted Bundy goes to the library to yeah, fucking jump out true. the window. Right? Libraries are a dangerous, dangerous place. fucking place, yeah, right? Man. You need punky fucking <laughs> hanging <do>. out. <laughs> or old Creole, maybe. I don't know. So, yeah, we're getting ready to fire that up again, too. Hell yeah. Tech, so that should be fun. Hell yeah. Uh, the prison warden and the director of the Texas Department of Corrections begin to negotiate with Carrasco right from the beginning. From past episodes, we know this type of thing is, you know, what these guys train for. They do this all the time to be able to defuse the situation as quickly as they can. Now, Chris, what really confused me about this is I said I saw that they called the Texas Rangers. And I'm confused because it's a fucking the middle of the fucking season. And I'm thinking the Texas Rangers are kind of busy in July. <laughs> they're probably out there balling. What the dude? fuck? Like, like they're trying to make home runs and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I always love that. Usually though. the, well, that, usually the ranger season is over by July. Oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. But you know, I mean, I, I always hear the Texas Rangers now Tex, I don't have this in the notes, but how revered are the Texas Rangers? I mean, is that more of a prestige type thing? And when do not they the baseball call team, them everyone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they're pretty. Yeah, they are. They're actually pretty uh, legendary here in Texas. Uh, they're actually part of the uh, Department of Public Safety, right. which is like our state troopers. Um, once you get that, you can uh, you can go up and be a ranger. So, Interesting. Right. Yeah, I always wondered what the, you know, the deal was with them and why you'd called them in certain situations. Um, but when you're talking about a hostage situation, Tex, what's going on behind the scenes with dealing with the media? And you got to have somebody obviously talking to the inmate. What's all going on there? Um, as with anything that happens in TDC and probably any prison system, nobody, I mean. Let's face it, nobody really cares or even thinks about what goes on in prison or behind the fence until the unthinkable happens. Right. Uh, then it does get very embarrassing for everybody involved, um, not just the suits, but for everybody in the agency. And um, there's a hostage negotiators class that some folks go to. I haven't been to it yet. I kind of want to. Um, but, I mean... Until that happens, until a situation happens, you don't really use it. Right. I mean, there's no, like, annual refresher or anything oh, like okay, that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And we have plans, we have procedures and drills, but most of the time, you know, like in the Army, a plan never survives past first contact. Right. So, you know, from there, it's kind of fall back on your experiences. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, definitely... A, a teaching moment like we talked about Tex when we did the Texas 7 case yeah. and I think you were saying yeah, no that doubt. that's part of the training because you learn from that mistake things that were done that were you know obviously not according to the way it should have been you know uh, yeah it's kind of like an after actions review kind of, they call it a serious incident review but yeah it's kind of what did you learn and right and, whose head's going to roll, you know, stuff like that. Right, right. Just just <laughs> curious, Tex, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but on your recent manhunt shit, did they have a uh, negotiator involved in that with the guy? Uh, or did it not get to that no. point? No, I didn't get to that Okay, point. I was just curious because um, then you could... I'm sure there were some out there, but... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
it just got to the to the you the know, end game firefight yeah. right, stage. Right. Yeah, interesting. Now, Joey, I see that Carrasco made some interesting requests while he was being, uh, you know, in this hostage siege. He, He's got some important yeah. things he wants done. You he know? was talking to a negotiator. Right. And uh, he was tired yeah. of fucking living that prison life. When he was out <laughs> in the streets, he was known for being, yeah, for being fucking flashy and everything. So right. he tells them that he wants some expensive tailored suits. He wants some dress shoes and cologne and walkie-talkies and helmets. And one thing he really wanted was some fucking toothpaste because he did not <laughs> like that bullshit they were giving him That's in fucking I, prison. I bet too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so they did. They uh, they fucking seceded all that stuff and got it to him. They also uh, provided him with steak dinners and stuff, which yeah. were cooked at a restaurant there in Huntsville. Right. So Some expensive place. So they were, you know, at that time they were fucking doing what they could to fucking keep him at bay. Right. Uh, those those fucking you know, even though it seems fucking extravagant, fucking almost comical that you would ask for shit like that when you're in that situation. Right. And not that ask was for a least, way out first. Right. right. That was at least stuff that they could be <laughs> like, well, while we're figuring out what's going on, right. in any way we can try we'll to give keep those people shit, safer, yeah. then we'll give them this shit. Yeah. yeah right. We'll send somebody to Sears to get him. No. <laughs> right, right. He's going to some fucking high dollar shit. <laughs> He's wearing alligator boots. Fuck that. That's right. <laughs> so the media is, you know, going crazy, but I did see that he treated the hostages very well, which is good. Um, you know, at least he wasn't like abusive to him, but these people were terrorized. Um, you know, the book 11 days in hell. I mean, that's yeah, how did he treat her after being terrorized? That made no sense to me. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, he fed him well, like that, you know, everybody right. else and he was, he was decent to him as decent I see the as, one dude as in the closet in and they situation. thought they shot him and shit. Right. Like, holy fuck. Uh, now, some of the civilians who were in the library were teachers, and most of them are middle-aged women. So, I mean, just absolutely terrified. I mean, anybody would be um, at, in that situation. That's what kind of makes it sad, like, th- what happens later on in this because of the fact that he was like, I'm not going to hurt anyone. You know, he was. you get that fucking confidence maybe while you're in that situation, like, you believe him. You know that this, right. this man's not going to hurt me. He's doing this because he's trying to do his. He's thing. Trying to get out of here, but he's just using know. me as yeah. a pawn, basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's fucked up. Now, of course, the media is going nuts, um, and I'm sure the prison officials that are dealing with that, you know, obviously that's what they they do, and they're going to try to spin the story to make their case look better. Anybody would. Man, I'm Completely sure that they had some people in that fucking town, like. Whenever there was a high profile fucking execution, like you'd get media and all that. Right. I bet this was fucking it blanketed that shit with the way the people fucking came oh, into the town. You know? Plus, people are afraid these guys are going to get out of there. Right? You know? Yeah. So yeah, like yeah. like Tech said, the unthinkable happens. You know. Um, you know, I have to deal with the media sometimes in my day job dealing with uh, environmental regulatory type stuff, and they get in trouble maybe with the. EPA or whatever, and I've had to deal with the media. It is very difficult because sometimes even if they're well-intentioned, they get the details wrong or the whole if it bleeds, it leads concept. They're going to give the meat because they know that that's what sells the newspapers or the news broadcast or what have you. 
So that's the problem. But, you know, these people dealing with them, even in 1974, I'm sure were capable, you know, and, and had to deal with a very hostile media public presence. and media wanting yeah. to know what the fuck is going on. Um, and Tex, I mean, what is that like? You know, I know we've talked about this with executions where you got all the protesters outside. I mean, what what is that like being at a prison when that's all going on? Um, just speaking from the uh, escape hunt that I was just on, uh, our public information officer did uh, like... I think it was nightly uh, briefs. And when I saw the news media out there, I just kind of did stage left and took right, off. Just <laughs> I don't want to deal with that kind of thing. Right. But yeah, in the case of like Carrasco, man, they got a lot of small things and even big things absolutely wrong. Yeah. Um, like for instance, they reported all of the inmate, ho- all of the inmate hostages were part of the hostage takers. Oh, wow. Um, Right, they, they reported some of the they were host- working together yeah, some of the sure. hostages were, yeah, were inmates when they weren't. Right, all sorts of miscommunication. I did see that. Yeah, they they were yeah. getting like there was a, like a Robbins and a Roberts or some shit. Hmm. Not necessarily yes. those names, but getting them confused and whatever. Okay, all right. Well, you know, yeah. everybody, you know, obviously making mistakes, but on the center stage, it looks that much worse. And back in the day, this is yeah. before fucking social media and True. internet. So True. they were having to fucking yes. watch them with fucking you know pen and paper and right. binoculars. That's, that's a good point. That's yeah. a good yeah. point. Now, Chris, I it's saw funny. Th- oh, go ahead, Tex. It's funny, Joey. You said social media because that was I had my phone out there on the escape. Yeah, and on the TDCJ uh, website, no, on the or not the website, but the Facebook page. Oh boy, people were all you know. He's already gone to Mexico. Yeah, why are y'all still out there looking for him? Right, right. You know, a lot of misinformation going on out there. Hell so, yeah. Social media could help, but it also can hurt you. It hindered a lot of. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Who the hell wants to deal with that in the middle of a manhunt? Right. (laughs) Now, Chris, I saw the governor of Texas actually approved an armored getaway car. Yeah, and he wants to go to Cuba, which. Dude, Mexico's right there, but he already had <laughs> right. he already had issues in Mexico previously, anyway. So, like, I get it, I guess. But you're already in Texas, right? Mexico's right there. It's quick. You're out of the country. Yeah, but he had Fucking, a purpose of going to uh, Cuba, though, which is kind of he crazy. wanted to talk to Castro. Yeah, yeah, he thought Castro would be like have his back, like, oh yeah, we do the same shit. We're good, homie. Right. So yeah, they fucking get this. But he talks him into getting after. 11 I'm, days of fucking goddamn... I'm not going to say that he fucking wouldn't have helped him if he got uh, yeah, I'm not going to say he wouldn't have either. He I just wonder how you get an, an armored car to Cuba, though. I mean, can you fly <laughs> right. a That's fucking armored saying. car? You're going to have to get a fucking <laughs> boat. <laughs> fucking Something, yeah. Smoking some cigars. Yeah. I guess, I guess. Yeah, the way they fucking... Uh, their plan to get... Which we're coming up, which is coming up. Their plan to get set to said armored car. Yes, this is, is like, when it's kind shit. of almost comical here. <laughs> Like the Keystone Cops on the reverse side, on the criminal side. Now, Joey, this whole situation seems like it wasn't planned out. I mean, I know you talked about Carrasco is maybe not the smartest guy, not the best planner. Because this was like by the seat of our pants going in like gangbusters to the library. And a lot of things could go wrong. When he goes in there... This is this is just me talking. Uh, you know, obviously I wasn't fucking there or know the dude or whatever. But to me, it seems like uh, Carrasco. He's like, 
he's not a fucking right he's not going to plan the fucking getaway he's not going to plan the breakout he's not a mastermind for that kind of shit he might be a mastermind for setting up fucking hits or fucking drug deals or something you know what i'm saying whatever he was doing that he was good at in the world right. it wasn't escaping from prisons like true you true. know what i'm saying bundy might be one of the closest people that had a fucking kind of grasp on escaping from places because yeah. he did it a couple times you know? but this but guy, a lot of that is ballsiness it too, is you know? now with carrasco this is i like i said i go back to his whole attitude and shit I feel like when he got when he got busted, he fucking turned himself in. Well, you know, I'm saying easily enough to protect his wife and shit. Right. I feel like from the fucking second that he was fucking apprehended, he was like, I'm not going to stay in prison. I'm going to get out of that motherfucker. And it was never a question in his mind. He always knew that he was just going to get the fuck out. And that's why I don't think planning had anything to do with it. He was going to use his fucking connections. And then also that Mm -hmm. goes back to like, you know, he gets the armored truck and gets to the coast. How's he going to get to Cuba? I feel like he... He Never just didn't care. He's like, no, I know I'm a motherfucker that'll come fly to get. Yeah, he'll make it happen. Yeah. So the hubris, I, the confidence. Yeah, his attitude, yeah. I think, was just a lot more what fucking dictated how that went down. Yeah, and I shit. think that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. So this standoff is going on for eleven fucking days. I mean, you want to talk about brutal? I mean, you are not sleeping. No, you got this fucking maniac, fucking bitching about the fucking suits and the toothpaste and everything else. <laughs> If he was getting guns, Open, you're not I'm sure he'd die any second. And I, I saw that, that like even a. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just saying, I'm sure if he had guns, he probably had plenty of cocaine and shit or some kind of speed to fucking right. be staying He's up fucking tweaking, yeah. yeah. Probably, probably. I can't even imagine it. Now, there was one f- of the female hostages that communicated through her daughter to the media on the outside. I saw some video of that. And she was pleading for her life, of course. Uh, tough to listen to it. I can't imagine, you know, loved ones, family members outside with a hostage situation like this. I mean, just absolutely terrible. That was like that. Yeah, that made me think about shit, you know, in a different way, because I'm sitting there listening to the daughter and she was like, look, if you'll just let this fucking guy go. Right. All these people are going to be fucking safe. Right. And that's how you're thinking. Mm-hmm. And then it's hard to think about, well, if you let this guy go and then he goes out and kills five other people. Right. Maybe that one yep. sacrifice was maybe worth it a little more right. than the other five. I don't know. That's yeah, that's a tough up. fucking and situation. Yeah, the, who's making that decision? Right. Like Tech said, a, that kind of stuff haunts people. You know, I just heard, but they had uh, the the prison chaplain like going back and forth. Oh, that's yeah. right. Because yeah. he had he had worked for him like at, once he got there like. So they had a good repertoire. He's like, no, bring him in here handcuffed and everything. And they right. brought him in. And he decided to stay and be a goddamn hostage himself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, yeah, that was Carrasco's current job was the the chaplain's assistant. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Now yeah. did you say that. Yeah. So uh, at 10 o'clock on August 3rd, 1974, the inmates make their move with the hostages uh, the way they did this, very interesting. They had some, uh, you know, challenges with the library being on the third floor. And they had all those windows blacked right. off on that floor, right? I think so. They yeah, didn't they, want a yeah, they they Bundy situation. Yeah, Bundy situation. But they had these <laughs> ramps going up to the library as you'd go down the floor. So it made, and they wound around. So, like, it was hard for them to maneuver what they were trying to do and 
They mm-hmm. had two of the female volunteers decided to go with the inmates in the armored car, which is definitely very brave. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, being in that situation um, and being the one to step up and say, I'll go with with you. I don't know if this is true, if you heard this text, but didn't they like the females get together and decide basically like it was they based on the ages of their children, like the ones oh, that had wow. the older children were like. I can do this. You kids are young as shit. Oh, like, shit. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yes, they sure did. Wow, that's heavy. Yep. But yeah, it was like, my kids are adults now. I'll fucking go. I got to see I got to see my children grow, wow. grow up. You yeah, can that's, fucking know. That's harsh, man. Now, Tex, what is the deal with the Trojan taco? This is just fucking like something out of a fucking <laughs> comedy almost. I mean, if it wasn't so awful that people died but what is the trojan taco well you've heard of the trojan horse yes sir that's correct (laughs) this is the story of the trojan taco they didn't trust the uh the prison officials to make them some type of armored little uh shelter to take them down the ramps and stuff out to the we didn't even talk about the helmets did we right no No, we're getting ready here because yeah. (laughs) yeah See, they they wanted some uh, some bulletproof helmets. So TDCJ was like, "Okay, here's your helmets." They were like plastic and shit. Right, they so actually shot it. Carrasco takes <laughs> one of the pistols and shot it, and it shattered all over the place. So they got on the phone with the people, and they they negotiated, and they gave out these specific instructions of how these helmets were supposed to be made. Oh wow! So TDC was like, "Bet cool." Okay, so they make these helmets and they show them to them. And what it was, these helmets were thirty damn pounds. Damn, for real. And they covered, they covered all the way like down to the bottom of the shoulder blades, all the way up over the shoulder blades. It's like the whole head. And there was in the front, there was like a one by eight slit, so they could see through. It's like the fucking goddamn old school fucking diving helmets. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. Like you see it in an aquarium. Right. Yeah. But yeah, diving bell. Exactly. (laughs) But like you actually got to support the weight of this shit. Yeah. God (laughs) damn. So they didn't trust them. Right. So they, they were looking around and it was they were in the law library, and you know law books are really thick. Right. So they grabbed a couple of rolling chalkboards, a bunch of cardboard, <laughs> a shit ton of law books, and smashed it all together, and they made the awesome Trojan taco. There you right? go. This thing weighed seven hundred and thirty-five. <laughs> pounds. That's what I was gonna say. It was like seven hundred and some pounds, right? Wow. Yeah, six feet long, six feet tall, and three feet wide. And then after that, what they did was when they were getting ready to use the stupid thing. <laughs> they got all three of uh, of the inmates in there. Right. Two of the hostages, handcuffed them all together. And then there was like, I think, four uh, hostages on the outside. Yeah, all chained together. Just to protect them. All chained together. Right. So, yeah, they used what they had on hand. <laughs> DIY in it. So DIY sure. is fucked. Wow. DIY. Damn, that's just the that's just one of the more creative ones that I that I think we've ever talked about. You know, the Trojan Taco, but like you said, made do with what they had. But these clunky ass fucking metal helmets, everybody all chained up. I mean, what a fucking disaster! You can, you can 
like if you watch the documentaries or even just look at you can see pictures of the taco. Oh yeah, it's pretty fucking wild. <laughs> yeah, like, it really is. There's parts of it at the prison museum. Oh okay, is there parts? Because I knew I know cool. that fucking that the warden is like, no, burn that fucking thing. Yeah, and then the long yeah. run was like. Man, we should have kept that because it would have been good for the the entire thing. Would have been a good thing for the museum. Oh yeah, yeah. I know sure. they yep. burnt burnt the whole thing, like gone. Yeah, they burnt it. There's parts of it there though. Now, Chris, I definitely wouldn't want to to be one of the ones chained up on the outside, but it worked out that actually that was the better place to be. That was the better place to be because mm-hmm. motherfucking like the, uh, the the cops or the whatever the the prison guards or whatever they brought the fire. The fire trucks in with the three big ass fire hoses, which you know right. they don't fuck around. So they just fucking mm. start fucking spraying them down as they're coming around this last corner cur- uh, corner of the fucking ramp. Right. It takes them out, and then all hell fucking breaks loose after that, dude. Like, yeah, Joey, what happens then, man? You got the the water <laughs> high pressure hoses yeah. doesn't work like they planned. Yeah, yeah. it's just. Dude. They watch the plan just fucking collapse around them, literally. And they're out there in this fucking contraption. <laughs> and Karasa, he knows that this is the end of the line. Like, he's done. His right. plan's failed. He's not getting out of it. So what he does is uh, him and the other inmate inside of the taco. They had the inside two, of it? Yeah. They had the two females with them <laughs> that right. were supposed to get in the armored car with them as their hostages. Right. And they turned the guns on them, shot and killed both of them. That's fucked up. And then turned the guns on themselves. Carrasco killed himself. Right. I I thought didn't the chaplain get shot too? The chaplain did get shot. Yeah, yeah he didn't die, but yeah. he did get he shot. Did okay, die. all right, because one of the other inmates was shot, right, and killed, but then the third one survived. We're yeah. going to talk about him, but yeah, uh, yeah what a just. But that's why I say it was so sad mess. about it because he was like telling them that you know you're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. This ain't about you. You know, I just need to use you for the situation. And then at the very end, whenever he could have just fucking shot himself, he fucking right. Why executed both woman, of them. You know, yeah. That's fucked up. Now, this to me reminds me of like a, a reality show. <laughs> like you're in this room and you got to make <laughs> do with what you got. And they're going to be spraying you with hoses on the outside and you got to try to stay dry. You know what I mean? It's like American like, Gladiators. It sounds like some American fucking crazy. Nice. Or a couple of kids on a rainy day at yeah. their mom and dad's house, you know, doing some stupid shit, yeah. you know. That's what this reminds me of. It's so awful, though, that these people were killed. The two women that were killed, yeah. just absolutely fucking horrible. Um, now, the two women that were killed, we're talking about Yvonne Beseda and Julia Standley. Um, you know, incredible bravery for them to volunteer to go. And I didn't realize that about the kids' ages and stuff. I mean, that definitely makes this even worse. Um, And I'm sure the hostages that survived had a lot of mental shit to go through that you did mention the priest that was injured in the the shooting. Um, Ignacio Cueves was the one inmate that survived um, but not for long because he gets a death sentence, and we know in Texas, I don't take they're long. not fucking around. Uh, uh, he's in the right place. They just fucking re- relocated right, his like, ass to death row, and he's in the same prison, death row ID 526. So, Tex, what is it like there at uh, the Walls unit on death row? 
what kind of life are those guys uh, leading as compared to like general population? Now they're actually not housed at the Huntsville unit. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, there's 190 males on death row right now in Texas. God damn. And they're at the Polunsky unit in Livingston. It's like right on the Louisiana border. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and then there's six female uh, inmates on death row, and they're in the Mountain View unit in Gatesville where I work. Um, now, it typically takes a while to exhaust all the the inmates' appeals for, like, court yeah, and stuff all like that. All their resources, yeah. Yeah. And the usual stay on death row is, get this, 17 and a half years. Oof. And that's in Texas. I don't know about anywhere right, else. Right, right. Here, but when they were doing research. executions here, it's like 20 years plus. Yeah. A lot yeah. of them. I mean, Gacy was a little bit, what was, was it about 20, 25? Yeah, something, something like, like that. Something like that. So, I mean, somebody like mm-hmm. Gacy, yeah. it took a while. But out here, they're not doing them at all. That uh, what you just said kind of interests me. Uh, text when you were saying that that prison Pulaski or whatever it's called, and it's like on the Louisiana border almost. Is right? It, does that is it just maybe to me? Does that seem kind of like risky putting people that close to a border like that, where it could make things a lot more complicated for them just to go skip state if they do escape? You know what I'm saying? Like instead of keeping them in one area in one state, I don't know. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but at the same time, I honestly I've been to the Polonsky unit, and nobody's going anywhere there. Yeah, man, I don't think, so. <laughs> yeah, dude. I don't think yeah, I'm going got, somewhere. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> they got a lot of things there that I'm not going to talk right, about. Right, right. Sure. There's a lot of uh, security, a lot of safety features they yeah, have. Yeah, that's there. good. Yeah. That's good. I was just curious. Now, an interesting fact. Huh that I found from the research I was doing on death row. Um, since 1973, when they put the death penalty back into effect, 186 people that have been sentenced to death in the United States have been exonerated, and that's including 16 in Texas. Wow, wow. And to me, honestly, that's too damn many. Yeah, you know that saying? is. Beyond a reasonable doubt should be beyond a reasonable yeah, doubt. Right. I get what you're saying. And uh, I'll get off that little. No, no. Opinion. I've definitely changed my outlook on this subject yeah. since we've been doing this podcast because of what he just said. You know what? That's I, fucked up. I right. think we just That's saw a time period, though, that you're never going to see again and you never saw before where with the introduction of DNA and everything and it either proved or falsified a lot right. of people's cases. Because at that time there wasn't DNA. Now that it is a thing going forward, you would think that they're going to be a little more precise about, or you know, correct about their assumptions. Yeah, but like you know, the hair follicle analysis that turns out to be a bunch of horseshit. You know, and and we we were going to do, and we probably will eventually, an episode on false confessions because that's a thing. Um, So you know, I obviously the. I'm going to talk Typical about situation, everybody in law enforcement, from the cops that make the arrest to the prosecutor and everybody along the way, they're doing what they think is right. right. But right. are there mistakes made? Of course. Yeah. They're human beings. But like Tech said, that's a lot of fucking people to be exonerated that shouldn't have fucking been there in the oh, first yeah. place. Because what a fucking nightmare would that be? 
that you're in a prison and you didn't do it. Yep. You know, that's just fucked like, up. Yeah, literally, yep. why am I here? Right. So Chris Cuevas is a, is uh, executed May of 1991. Some man. of the best last words ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, what like, was what was his uh, last words to the board? <laughs> like he just like looks at him like, okay, warded, roll him. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to a beautiful yeah, I'm going to place. A beautiful place. Okay, warden, roll them. Roll them. So there you go. I like Gacy though. Kiss my ass. Yeah, that's yeah. what. I, yeah, yeah. That's a classic. Oh, yeah. Now I did see there was a few songs written uh, in tribute of old Fred Carrasco. I'm not sure what the deal is with that. It's the cartel anthem. It's like, it's like the GD anthem. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that the Trojan, Trojan Taco was mentioned in an episode of Orange is the New Black. Huh. And they were talking about prison breaks and shit that went wrong. Really? So, that's fucking that's crazy. That's kind I of funny. That. Um, I and never there have been many either, articles so. written about it. I did see there was one called Prison Hostage, the Siege of the Walls Prison in Huntsville, Texas, uh, that you can read on an on, through an online library. I was looking at that. Um, it's an account of one of the hostages that survived. I'm sure it would be a fascinating read. I did not read it. But William T. Harper also wrote the book, I mentioned this, 11, 11 Days, days in, in Hell, hell yeah. uh, which I did not read either. So it sucks because... You want to read everything, watch yeah. everything, and just, you know, there's just not enough time in the day. And in all this, I'm writing books, too. So it's just fucking unbelievable. Um, now, Tex, there's plenty of blame to go around here, but we were talking earlier about those after-action type events. But when it comes to heads rolling, is some of that kind of symbolic or, you know, how's that all going down? Yeah, a lot of it's uh, symbolic. I know nowadays there's, like like I said, large investigations that go along with any major incident. Um, even if the public knows nothing about the incident, they still, you know, do the the SIRs or the serious incident reviews. Okay. Um, heads do roll, and that's tragic in its own way. I know a few people that here recently with the, the uh, escape, right. you know. They lost their jobs. Oh, that and, sucks. You know, they have families to take care right, of. Right, right. Yeah, that's, that's really shitty. Most of it was, was symbolic, like you right. said, scapegoats. Yeah, that's too bad. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, corrections is a reactive industry. It's set in its ways, and, um, you know, it just happens that right, way. Right, right. Very but, interesting yeah. story, guys. Anything to add to this one? No. No? Text anything, anything I missed text? or anything you wanted to bring up? Um, no, I don't think so, man. Cool. I think we yeah, covered. I think it we all. did. I wanted to get those helmets. Yeah, in that's yeah. good. And the metal, I like that. Yep, we yep. needed some metal. Yeah, we got man. plenty of it because I can't imagine how fucking heavy. And Joey's got this fucking nice tailored suit on. Yeah. Now he's got to put this clunky ass fucking metal thing on it. He thinks where he's going, he's going to be able to get all the suits he wants. So that's true. That's he's true. Like, he's got to look good right. on the bottom half yeah. of he's walking out to the. When, when, when he gets two Castros, he's going to be looking sharp. It's fine. Sharp, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In Miami, somebody will take care of him. Right, sure. right. I did right. think it was crazy though how like they were getting together with the fucking uh, the prison 
maintenance guy or whatever to construct this fucking helmet though they made like the prototype and <laughs> yeah. shit like no this ain't what we this, this is what we need right here it's like all well, right, you got dude. 11 days i mean what you got to yep. do something yeah. trivial pursuit gets old after 11 days you know? <laughs> it's fucking crazy <laughs> now i did my research for this one watching a couple of the good docs i saw on youtube uh some of the press coverage from 1974 it's kind of interesting some of the stuff outside the prison uh, the the daughter of the, the hostage yeah, right. was very fascinating. Um, I found a couple of really good articles in a San Antonio newspaper. So there is stuff out there if you want to read it. You're in Texas. You want to go to that museum there Hell, at the yeah. Huntsville prison. That's fucking cool. Um, I think yeah. that would be fascinating to, to yeah. see that. I know I would love to see that. Um, now, next week, we're going to be doing a bonus episode on a metal legend john zazula the man who founded megaforce records the amount of fucking bands this guy brought to the fore is just unfucking believable i mean metallica anthrax overkill testament and on and on and on this dude was a fucking beast from the bronx only a few blocks from where i grew up um he's older than i am but but I was but fascinated. Still, like, I asked my dad because he gives the address of his apartment building yeah. in the book I read. And I text my dad. I'm like, Dad, how close is this to where we lived? He's like, it's like three blocks away. So it's like right it. there. Yeah, right. it was kind of cool. Um, so I'm really excited to talk about John. He passed away here a couple years ago. Um, just a legend and definitely going to be cool. Uh, we do bonus episodes on different topics, but this time we're doing a metal uh, bonus episode, Shit, but yeah. it's a cool one because everybody knows the bands I mentioned. I mean, it's just really cool. Oh, really yeah. good pictures in the book of old school yeah. Cliff Burton puking, you know, like all kinds of cool shit. Uh, Joey, what about some page of days for us? I do got some page of days. I had a shorter one last week, and that's because uh, some of it bled over for what I'm going to say today, so... Uh, again, thanks, Page Today. Also, I just personally want to say thanks, Tex, again for being on. I love Hell having yeah, you on. Here. Right. Um, hey, hey. So, uh, okay, so this one we're talking about. The first one is the Angel Makers of Nagarev. This it's Norwegian, uh, <laughs> sl- Hungary, Hungarian, Hungarian. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> this was an anonymous letter that was published in June 1929 edition of their uh, Gazette, and this is just somebody that's just trying to figure out what's going on in their in their town, basically. And the, the uh, anonymous letter said, "The authorities are doing nothing, and the poisoners are carrying out their work undisturbed. This is my last attempt. If this also fails, then there is no justice." Now, what they were referring to is uh, between 1914 and 1929, there were up to 50 people that were poisoned to death in this Hungarian village of Nagariev. The victims started as abusive husbands and in-laws, right. but then the murders quickly spun out of control and they began to include things like burdens, burdensome parents, unwanted children. <laughs> so dozens of townspeople were complicit or active participants in the killings, but at the center of it all was the town's midwife, uh, Susanna Fazakis. And her name is spelled with Z's in front of the S's in Susanna. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, when, when, the, when the women of Nagriev had a problem, 
Fazakas, she often prescribed poison, either supplying it herself or suggesting a homemade arsenic recipe by boiling down flypaper and skimming the poison that rose to the top. The fuck out of here. So they could just do it in their own home, you know what I'm saying? Wow. Uh, So Fazakas' cousin, he filed the death certificates in town. So they allowed the murders to go undetected for fucking ever, basically, you know. Uh, the anonymous letter did catch the attention of the Hungarian authorities. And by the end of 1929, 50 bodies had been exhumed and 46 of them were found to contain arsenic. Wow. 34 middle-aged women and wow. one man were arrested and put on trail. Susanna Fazakis was not one of them. Oh, when, when the police came to get her, she drank a vial of the poison that she had hidden in her dress and killed herself. Oh, man, some Leonard Lake shit. God damn. So uh, one of the angel makers, whenever they were in the court, this was one of their quotes. They said, we are not murderesses. We neither stabbed nor drowned our husbands. They have simply died from poison. It was an easy death for them and not a murder. Holy shit. Holy shit. That's a girl you want to take home to mom there. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I got got two more. This one's a little bit longer, but this one's pretty good. And this is about the satanic panic that happened in Martinsville. So this is up in Canada that we're going to right here. Okay. So we all know the satanic panic, like oh, especially yeah. through the eighties and nineties with Stupid. everybody thought real. that, yeah. yeah, they thought the satanic ritual abuse was spreading everywhere in the world. Right. Um, allegations of hundreds of children being abused physically and sexually. And their belief system was that this was being done by adult Satan worshipers. So there was little or no evidence that any ritualistic abuse occurred in most of these publicized it's cases. Like, legit. But nevertheless, satanic panic was spreading. And by the, Satan. I mean, it's Satan. Yeah, because Satan. And also, you know, getting close to the year 2K, whatever got it. So, like, those people still had their argument, like, oh, this is going to happen. And right. Some people would listen or you know. whatever. Yeah. Right. So, anyway, so uh, in late. Uh, uh, this is in Martinsville, Saskatchewan, northern Canada. In late 1991, there was this Martinsville nurse, and she noticed marks on her two-year-old daughter's bottom that seemed angrier than the average diaper rash. So she asked her daughter, you know, what happened, and the toddler reported that a stranger had been poking her. Oh, when man. asked again later, the daughter specified that she was poked with a pink rope. So the next day, the mother asked a third time, and the girl said that the stranger lived at Ron and Linda Sterling's house, which that's the house that she went to daycare. So a few days later, after getting more details from the girl, the parents called the police, and they believed that their daughter had been molested by Travis Sterling, who was Ron and Linda's adult son, who lived there too. So a pediatrician examines the young girl. She sees no signs of abuse, but the parents are still convinced that it's happening. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Travis has been accused of sexual assault before that. Three years prior, a a nine-year-old girl uh, reported being groped repeatedly at the daycare, but the complaint was never investigated. So that's just a fucking drop in the ball situation. Yeah, Yeah, that's fucked. I hate hearing that Mm -hmm. shit. So, uh... Claudia Bryden, who was a former uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police Officer, began working on the case and quickly became overwhelmed and consulted her superiors 
for support to no avail. She was like, I can't do this on my own. You have to send me resources. Right, and they help. were like, no, yeah. we don't have, you know what I'm saying? Wow. They, they weren't being cooperative. But uh, more parents and children came forth with sexual assault allegations and the case file grew. So in early 1992, the case takes a hard turn. During police interviews, the children started mentioning a blue building called the, quote, the Devil Church where they endured abuse and witnessed ritual sacrifices. There, children were kept in cages, forced to drink blood, and watched as humans rip limb from limb. Uh, the children, Some of the children claimed that there were people engaging in the rituals, that they were wearing uniforms, that they were cops. Wow. What the fuck, dude? Wait, God what? damn. So, yeah, no, I, what the fuck so is happening? So by spring, <laughs> Martinsville now is reeling with rumors of a satanic cult called the Brotherhood of the Ram. A local pastor calls in a tip to the police, warning that a group of Satan worshippers was planning to attack Martinsville in the dead of night. So the new police chief in town, Mike Johnston, he sends an urgent memo to all the officers telling them to arm themselves with whatever weapons they have and brace for the chaos. So they're fucking on standpoint for this satanic group that's going to come fuck their town up. The Satan worshippers never come, of course. (laughs) But in June of 1992, nine people, a young babysitter, the whole Sterling family, and five police officers were arrested on 180 counts of various types of child abuse. God damn, dude. Yeah. Uh, because of the publicity surrounding the case, um, an RCMP-led task force was brought in to take over the investigation, and immediately the task force recognized flaws in the investigation up to that point. Particularly, the biggest one was in the questioning of the children, who almost all the interviews were fucking the kids being asked leading questions, and they were even praised when they gave the right answers. Wow. So we've seen that before, like we're Brandon talking about Dad. the right. forced confessions yep. and shit. Right, right. Uh, they doubted whether the children were ever taken to a devil church at all, and they believed that some of the children where they claimed to have been taken and that the identities of the people that they were giving were just wrong. Wow. Like, terrible. So the RCMP decided not to bring any further charges, but all remaining suspects, some say there were up to 200, they were all cleared. So everybody else that was involved. But by the end of 1992, prosecutors decided to forego preliminary hearings and go straight to trial for the nine suspects that they had already charged. Uh, so everybody else that was involved in this, they just fucking they just, forgot fucking all about walk it. Away. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Now, the move was meant to minimize further trauma to the children, whose testimony was the only evidence that the prosecution had. There was no physical evidence that any of the accused had done anything. There was nothing else except for these, these statements. So the babysitter was tried first and convicted of seven sex-related charges, including sexual assault, unlawful confinement, and threatening to use a gun while committing sexual assault. The only direct evidence against her was the testimony of the two young boys. Her convictions were later overturned. Next was Saskatoon police officer John Popovich. He had only visited Martinsville once in passing to fill up on gas. But there was no adult witnesses that could even place him in Martinsville. And the children who accused him... They failed to That's identify so him in a police lineup. They showed a, a lot, and they didn't know wow. who he was. So obviously, a lot of this shit was coerced and planted. Uh, he was acquitted, and he received an apology and one point three million Canadian dollars because of that one. Um, 
Jesus. The Sterling family, they were charged together and endured a five-month trial, the longest in Saskatchewan history at the time. And in the end, Linda and Ron were cleared, but their son Travis was convicted of two counts of sexual assault, and he was sentenced to two years in prison. The charges against the remaining four accused were all dropped. The town was left reeling, and the criticism of the way the case and investigation, I mean, that was that was huge. Everybody was right, fucking that's, talking that's shit. So much news. of the focus remains on the question of the children who, in some instances, they were told that they could go play, but only after they told police what happened. So they had to tell them basically what they wanted to hear, wow. and they would reward them. They were praised so, and called braved after alleged abuse. Uh, there were times when the children were even promised coloring books and visits to see the police dog. Travis's lawyer remarked how much of the testimony resi- resembled a fairy tale like Hansel and Gretel, perverted by the adults asking leading questions. So, like, basically, like, the cops had some problem with this fucking dude. So they're just making this up? Or maybe they did something and it was a big wow. cover-up because the cops were involved. So the, or... que- the question I have oh, is yeah. the son that was living there, yeah. he was the pink rope then? It, yeah, that's what I'm okay. thinking. And he right. got charged. He did two years after all. And he had a prior sex offense, you know. Right. But no, the Martinsville fucking nightmare is what wow. they call it. That's a crazy that's case. So, up. So uh, wow. one of the, uh, the FBI behavioral science unit um, special agents, Ken Lenning, when he was talking about the the wave of the satanic panic and all that, he said he was quoted as saying, "There was this idea that bad things, evil things, were somehow related to the work of the devil. This seemed to be particularly true in any crimes that had one of both of these two characteristics: extreme violence or sexual perversion." So that's satanic panic. Wow. Yeah, that's satanic panic. Hmm. All right, so I got one more, and this one's actually a push. I I read this. This was actually supposed to be for next week, uh, but I didn't give a fuck. I had to use it because it fucking brought up something we've been talking about. So okay, uh, so this is the last one from page a day. But this is about the tiny coffins at Arthur's seat. So, in June 1836, a group of boys went rabbiting on Arthur's seat, which is an extinct volcano in Edinburgh, Scotland. Is that how you say it, right? Edinburgh? Edinburgh, yeah. Uh, There, under a pile of rocks, they made a macabre discovery. There were 17 tiny coffins, only 3.75 inches long, and each one had a little wooden figure inside of it. So nearly 200 years after the discovery, only eight of the coffins remain, and theories about their origin and significance still abound. Some believe the dolls represent sailors that were lost at sea, like we've heard those stories. Uh, Others think that they were part of a witchcraft ceremony. Okay. Which both of those seem feasible to me. Right. Now, one particularly interesting theory involves serial killers, William Burke and William Hare. So we just did an episode about right. that. Yeah, Burke and Hare. Uh, often erroneously referred to as body snatchers, Burke and Hare murdered their victims, 17 in all in the late 1820s, and sold them for use in anatomy classes. At the time, it was widely believed that burial was necessary for resurrection of the last judgment of God at the end of humankind. So it's been suggested by some that someone may have buried these effigies in an attempt to save the souls of Burke and Hare's victims. Interesting. No shit. Wow. Right on. That's yeah, fucking good tie into Burke yeah. and Hare. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. So that was page a day. Hell yeah. Some good page a day there. All right. Well, we've had our fair share of murdering tonight. We're going to crank up Heck some yeah. metal text. Thank you very, very thank much. Thank you, Tex. For coming on and Dude, Talking it was fun, to, man. Always a good time. Trojan Taco too. Trojan Taco Fuck yeah, That's awesome, dude. So, Tex, what the hell do we need to do? Let's get Just our metal on. CK has passed on. 
He's not done educating the masses. CK will forever be the great metal motherfucker. We're here to stomp poser ass and eradicate the planet of their kind. CK has passed the torch to us, and we will forge the fuck on. In CK's name, we will bestow metal knowledge upon all of you. All right. Great metal motherfucker, always. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, guys, great metal motherfucker music is playing. That means we are in metal. Oh, yeah. And we've got the horns that need to be passed. So Chris is passing. Chris has all. like all five of them all over five. there. Yeah, I was saying, don't give me all five. This oh time. wow, you got five of them. This now. fucking Jeez. metal's getting heavy as fuck. With, with collecting <laughs> them all. So you got the horns physically, goat horns being passed from Chris to Joey. So Joey, you got the horns, and that means it's your call on what we're going to talk about here in this segment. And you have chosen. Another Illinois band. Yeah, Necro Cannibal Ass Grinder. You've heard now, him talk about him before. Oh, yeah. Now, I have done a lot of Illinois bands, and people are probably like, God, fucking quit that shit. Didn't but, even know there was that many bands in Illinois. Right. <laughs> but it also worked out well with this one, like I've done with a few of the other ones where I got to do an interview with uh, Phil, who does Necro Cannibal Ass Grinder. Uh, some of y'all know him as Gummo Bacon, that are listeners to the podcast, because he'll comment on the, th- on the shit as that. Right. But uh, yeah, so it was really cool to network that because like he really is a, f- a friend and a, and a supporter of our podcast, and I do love his music, so it all fucking worked out well. But um, yeah, so metal segment today. I remember I brought I bought CK a Necro Cannibal Ass Grinder yeah, T-shirt, and yeah. he would try to rock it out to see. Yeah, nobody got it. Up. Like he wanted to <laughs> offend somebody. All right, so Necro Cannibal Ass Grinder. Uh, it started in 2006, so it's actually, you know, it's, its initiation was quite a long time ago in Pena, Illinois, but it was only at, pretty much active for a couple of years before it was revamped, and in 2016 is whenever it became what it is today, and Necrocannoblast Grinder is a one-man grindcore band. Uh, he has a lot of different influences, though. He has, like, sludge elements and things like that, which is really awesome. Uh, so 2016 is whenever Trash Dick brought it back to become what it is, NCAG now. Um, now, you know, we look up the Encyclopedia Metallum, the Metal Archives, to check out some shit. I wasn't sure if Necro Cannibal was on there, but he is. Oh, nice. Uh, so, I, you know, I had to check that out, but I, I had to fucking get a good laugh. Because it, it tells you what the themes, the lyrical themes of each band are. Yes, yeah, yeah, I do are. like those. <clears throat> so uh, Necro Cannibal Ass Grinder's themes are, according to Encyclopedia <laughs> Metallum, gore, death, sex, drugs, B-movies, science fiction, conspiracy theories, and poop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I was wow. like, all right, that works. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> now, Very thorough. Man. Yeah. Now, since I know him... If it was me, I would add robots and dicks. To Robot, that. you gotta have yeah. the fucking robots and dicks. <laughs> so uh, now, Necro Cannibalist Grinder is all done by one man. Like I said, uh, is Trash Dick, aka Gummo Wall Bacon. Some people call him Phil, but he does everything. He does the the guitar, the bass, the programming, the vocals. Uh, he has pitch shifted vocals. Um, in 2017, Necro Cannibalist Grinder, he came out with some releases so 2017 is whenever he really started dropping music and shit um uh in 2017 did a three-way split with bill nye and also ocular leech infestation 
He also did a four-way split in 2017 with urethral injection, Bill Nye, and Embedded Flesh. He did a little EP called Stocking Stuffer, which he did at the end of the year, which was like two tracks. And then he did the killer EP in 2017, Asses of the Wake. And that album's just that fucking album's awesome. Dope as fuck. uh, he's going to reissue that, I think. I did. A, I took the, the, the artwork or the whatever, the cover, and I repainted it. Which was cool because it was a picture or whatever. Oh, and you cool. made it and he originally own, yeah. just wanted me to redraw it or whatever. I was like, you know what? I'm going to paint that. It looked cool. So anyway, he's going to use that for the reissue. Um, a little bit of fucking indigestion from the Pop-Tarts. The Pop-Tarts, <laughs> yeah. uh, In 2018, he released the albums Robot with a Human Dick. Fuck yeah. Which that came out on F- my label, <laughs> FTA Records. And you did the artwork for the album? Yeah, the, which is pretty classic shit. That's now sold out and out of press through me, so I think he's going to take that and also reissue that, which is cool. Uh, in 2018, he also released the album... Um, or the split Midwest limb extraction, which that was with uh, fetal autopsy and menstrual munchies. Hell yeah. Old Jesse Butcher. Old Jesse, Fuck yep. yeah. Who he's bringing that shit. He keeps talking about bringing that back. You see that? What? Menstrual, menstrual munchies. munchies. Yeah. He's like, oh, Fuck wow. that. he goes, you know, time's passed. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's been time. Yeah. Bring that shit back, man. All right. So, uh, 2019 comes along and he comes with the full length Necronomicon sex mortis. Which that fucking album. So fucking good. Uh, he came out, he put this one out on his own label, which was called See-Through Teeth Recordings. Yes, sir. Um, he eventually stopped that label and then started what he's doing now called Mondo Filth, which is his label that he's doing now. Uh, 2020 comes around. Uh, he releases a four-way on his new label, which was Mondo Filth by that point. And the four-way was NCAG with uh, Pustule, Vaginal Spaghetti, and Willie. And then also in 2020, he releases an EP, which was called Gorefiend and Quarantine, which is an awesome fucking ditty right there. Gorefiend and um, Quarantine. He's played a, like, that, like, come on, man. Yeah. Tell me that's not a good fucking album title for that year. And oh, shit. yeah. It's perfect for <laughs> right, that. Right. So Phil's a fucking awesome dude. Love hanging out no, with I, him. He's a, he's a dude fuck. who I always said, like, if he lived closer, I would hang out with him on the regular. Like, right. that, that's the kind of dude he is. But uh, he's played, you know... Qu- a fucking quite a bit of shows since fucking putting NCAG back into fucking, you know, into the spotlight and shit. And he's done like, uh, the porn field shows. He played out of bloodshed. He, uh, played a f- couple of the, uh, heart of Illinois shows. Um, he was also a cannibal, cannibal cookout. cookout. Yeah. So he's Which def- he also does a split with Bill Nye fucking, yeah. uh, Chlamydia Jizz. Yeah, another project they do, Chlamydia Jizz. <laughs> uh, he also went out with Bill and I, and they both played a show out in Vegas, too, so that was cool that they got to take that out there. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got a new album coming out he was talking about, so some new NCAG stuff. But, uh, Fuck yeah. That's yeah, that cool, was fucking man. Necro Cannibal Ass Grinder, man. Fucking represent that shit. We're going to Yeah, we'll link stuff. to that in the episode yeah, description. Absolutely. And we're going to play a clip. You interviewed him. Yes. And uh, get about a five and a half minute clip. We're going to let you guys. The full interview will go live the day after this. Drops That's right. The full 21 minute interview will oh, go yeah. live uh, on Friday, the day after this goes live. So, all right, check yeah. this out. Trash game. You're the best bike in the whole world. La, 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 la. <laughs> Ah! <laughs> yeah, what it looks like is that you are fucking yourself with a dildo bite. Yeah. 
what's up, motherfuckers? Back in this motherfucker. Joey from Murder No Man talking with fucking trash dick Phil. Necro Cannibal Ass Grinder himself. Yeah, How you yeah. doing, man? Pretty good, man. How you doing? Not too bad. Fucking, uh... People that have heard my interviews before, they know how this goes. I got 10 questions. I'm going to zip them out. Uh, Trash was nice enough to come in from down south, down in Payne area, <laughs> sit down and talk with me a little bit. So, uh, some of our listeners, they might not know a lot about your band, Necro Cannibal Ass Grinder. Why don't you give us a quick bio about MCAG? Uh, all right. Well, let's see. Started doing it back in 2006. It was like a little two-piece, uh, me and a buddy of mine, who later became my couch guy for quite some years. <laughs> and uh, we started doing it and just fucking around, just having fun, you know? Like, it wasn't ever... Still, it's still not supposed to be anything serious, so, you know. But uh, did that for a couple years and then dropped off and didn't really do anything and fucked with other projects. And then I just started doing it again as the one-man deal in, like... Was it like 2016, I think? Started it back up. Yeah. It was pretty cool because whenever you first approached me to do the. You're like, I need a logo. Yeah. You told me that name. I was like, what the. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the response to most people when they yeah. first hear the name. Yeah. Then it fucking definitely grows on you. Yeah, and I, I can't take full credit for that. That was both me and, and Couch Guy just trying to make something ridiculous. That's you know? what's up, man. Well, I'd say that you guys accomplished that. <laughs> so. Moving on, I noticed that in your bio about Necrocan Last Rider, you didn't say one fucking thing about robot dicks. So yeah, tell us yeah. about some robot dicks real fast. Alright, so I don't even I don't even know where this all comes from, but there there's like it's like maybe conspiracy theory that I made on my own, I guess. So other people you need to get get up with this, but it's like this robot travels back in time just to bite dicks off. Because he wants to be the only robot or the only person that owns a human dick still in the future. And he's not even a human. And he's not even a human. And he just, like, enslaves bitches and, you know. That's some lizard shit. It's like Terminator, but porno. So, motherfuckers, if anybody out there is wanting to listen to some Necro Camp Blast Rider, you better get ready for some fucking robots and some human dicks. Know that. Alright, so here's something else, fucking. What's up with musicians in your scene trying to cuck out their bitches to you? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, that I don't even know, man. It's like, I got the name Trash Dick, so I guess they're just like, fuck it, you know? Please sleep with me. Please. My- Please make my wife or her girlfriend gross. You know? <laughs> like, all right, yeah. So, if anybody's wanting to tour and go down to Pena, you might be able to fuck somebody's wife. Just oh, so yeah. You know. All right, uh, switching gears a little bit. You've been to Full Terror every year. Full Hell Terror yeah. Soul. I have two. We're going to continue that. Uh, you're a member of the Gore Camp. We represent hard. Tell us here at Murder Metal Mayhem... The story of the hanging bombs. Oh, okay. Well, you get a bunch of fucking degenerates together in like this kind of shed, kind of permanent tent 
<laughs> I guess we'll call it. And everybody's just having a blast, you know. And the last day, you got to kind of commemorate you making it through FTA somehow for so another you year. Fucking hang up the bong, you know, because you got to take a, a fucking bong to FTA. Yeah, like you're, what was it? Cataclysm. Ripping bongs, watching Cataclysm, like that's that's like the best way to watch a show. Or or last year, uh, weed eater. Yeah, during their set. Yeah, if you're not smoking bongs during weed eater, you you fucked up. You know. So uh, so yeah, that's a real thing. Like for the last two years, we've had the bong there, and we hang it from the rafters. Hence the hanging bong. And the first year we came back, this year and went to full territory spot. We're like, because there's biker rallies and shit there. Like it's a fucking big spot. And we're like, there's no way that bomb is still going to oh, be yeah. there. I thought whenever, as soon as we left, one of the redneck ranch hands was going to just pull it down. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Got dude, a little tease. story, dude. Uh, a little tease there. Five and a half minutes of your conversation with old Gummo Wallbacon there, Necro Cannibal Ass Grinder. Very cool stuff, Joey. It does not get any more intelligent from that point. So, <laughs> so if you like that, definitely check it out. It's yeah, the full classic. interview, 21 yeah. minutes of it, is coming out the day after this episode goes live as a bonus episode. So don't miss it. Thanks again, Trash. Yeah, yeah hell yeah. Trash Very cool. Shit, and for supporting the show. We hell appreciate yeah. that. Chris, what about the Lost Classic tonight? Uh, Lost Classic from tonight is from fucking 1991. Okay. Fucking uh, Maskers from Beyond. Oh, nice. Fucking just good old school fucking death metal, dude. Fucking uh, nice death cover, Corpse Grinder on there, dude. Just like old school death metal, man. Right. 91 from Beyond by fucking Masker. Fucking dig it. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, I get in a kick of wanting to hear old school death metal, and it just, there's nothing like it, man. It's just that era of death metal is just fucking badass. Yeah. Really is good stuff. Very cool. All right. uh, What about, uh, what have we been listening to, Chris? Anything new? Anything different? I mean, I'm still like unpacking shit and everything at the new house. And like, I just play, again, it's still just random shit. And then like, Courtney plays a lot of bluegrass. I've been hearing a lot of bluegrass. Yeah. Yeah. Which is whatever. I don't mind it. Sure. But yeah, I, I don't know. There's just random, always just random music playing. I That's hand cool. the key, keyboard over to Cashman when he's there, hand it to anybody who's there. I'm like, just play music. I don't care, dude. Right, right. Cool. What about you, Joey? Uh, <clears throat> Jamming Necro Cannibal, obviously. Uh, I've had the fucking. Uh, that new between the killings in the car for a few days. Oh, that's fucking I nasty, picked up the dude. physical copy um, from when uh, Vaughn whenever I went up to the show. I yeah. saw Lividity this last weekend. Yeah, how was that? That was fucking awesome up at the Cobra Lounge, fucking live wire in Chicago. Deep. What were you saying about that Elbow Deep couldn't use glass and what they do? Yeah, Elbow Deep, which if anybody that listens knows, they're like, <laughs> dude. they do some wrestling shit and fuck each other up usually on stage, which is a fucking classic. Like uh, that hardcore wrestling yeah. where they literally But the club was like, yeah. like, you can't have like glass, so they couldn't break like light bulbs and shit like that. So he was like, okay, so fuck it. He ended up taking a fucking, he had fucking barbecue skewers, a bag of those, and fucking the guitarist shoved them into his head, and he's got like fucking 15, 20 hanging like out the, for it. By, like the bamboo yeah, shish the kebab bamboo skewers. Ones. Oh, my and then, God. Uh, he, and then uh, before the show, like I was talking to him, and they're all wearing, for this show, they all wore like fucking uh, dress suits and fucking suspenders and tie. It was funny. 
But uh, I'm talking to the fucking uh, the vocalist Jerry like before the show, and he's sitting there with like one of the miniature wiffle ball bats, and he's got double sided tape wrapped around, it, and he's just putting thumbtacks all over it. And fucking during one of their tracks, he fucking just looks over to the fucking guitars and just fucking smacks them upside the head with that motherfucker. <laughs> thumbtacks fucking explode everywhere, and fucking oh, the dude has God. like 15 or 20 in his fucking head and shit. Oh uh, man, but yeah, no, that wow. was fucking dope. But anyway, so while I was there talking to Vaughn, I picked up. The Between the Killings, which I've been listening to. I also picked up, he's got uh, Dead and fucking Hems of the Sick on vinyl, which yeah, I dude. saw a picture of that. Man, yeah. fucking so cool. But so I've fucking been jamming that shit. Uh, I've been jamming uh, one of my older albums. Uh, I did a split with Slam Affiliate, Goremonger, called The Consumption of Those We Love. And every now and then it's wild because I just put out so much shit that I'll go back and listen to stuff. And it's Remembered. like, yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, man, this shit was pretty good, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was also listening to Vomitus. Uh, Empires of Great Enslavement, which Vomitus is a band I just fucking love. Uh, fucking brutal death metal, groovy as hell. So that's what I've been jamming. Fuck yeah. I've been checking out some gruesome. I mentioned them earlier. That uh, band that's definitely death, like an homage yeah. to death, yeah. an old school death. Uh, really, really good shit. Misery Index, the newest one. Uh, Schizophrenia. I listened to them today, both the full length and the EP. And still jamming a little Merciful Fate Hell just yeah. from that King Diamond uh, new look he's got man, with Merciful. Man, all the fucking videos and pictures from the show. Oh, man, the, uh, just look killer. Yeah. Uh, they played all the big fests right. over there in Europe and the full stage set up with the huge inverted cross yeah. and shit. Pretty, pretty dark and uh, definitely Merciful Fate. Uh, we've been talking about this. Bands, if you're in a band and you want us to check you out, you can contact us at... Pete at MurderMetalMayhem.com. There's no guarantee we're going to play it, but we'll give it a listen. And if we dig it, we'll be in touch. Maybe we'll do an interview with you. Maybe we'll do a review of it. Joey, you've been doing a lot of reviews. Yeah, I've been doing the reviews, and we've been uh, doing it through fucking... um Imperative uh, PR. PR. Imperative PR, which is an awesome fucking company. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of cool because... Because people have liked like some of the ones we've been doing, and one of my buddies fucking noticed from the band VHS, which is my buddy's band from Canada. They're fucking awesome, like horror uh, horror movie grind and shit. Uh, I've done a split with them and shit. But uh, he hit me up, and he was like, man, would you want to do a review of the new Hell album yeah. we're putting out? I was like, fuck yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, even that's not even through the imperative PR. That's just a band contacting me, mm-hmm. and I'll do that through Murder, Mail, Mayhem, so y'all can check it out. But yeah, We've had so, a few contacting yeah, us. Yeah, if you're in a band, like, that, that's for real. We'll do that shit. Yeah, so. exactly. Check all that shit out. Yeah. I'm not good at interviews, but uh, I'll fucking... I'm like, yep, it was pretty fucking dope. Love it. That's my interview. That's, that's my review. I didn't. I can't remember what it was, but you sent me a new fucking uh, uh, interview to fucking look at. Yeah, which is definitely one that I wanted to oh, do. Oh yeah, I can't remember what it's it was. It's like a split with a bunch of different bands on it, but it's fucking brutal. Gorepot was on it. Yeah, it's the it's the one with Ver- oh yeah, it's Kill Everything, Necrotic Gore Beast, Virulent Excision, and Gorepot. So that'll be the next one I do for imperative PR. Hell yeah, hell yeah. And if you want to old school it, send it to Murder Metal Mayhem, P.O. Box 554, Hayworth, Illinois, 61745. You want to throw a sticker or two in there, we might throw it on the door because the table's just about full. So we're (laughs) getting branching out. The dry erase board I saw has a Jesus sticker on it. I was laughing. I saw that today. (laughs) Um 
Now, I got the horns next. It'll be in a couple of weeks because next week's a bonus. But I got the horns next. And I'm going some old school death metal, a band from California called Laceration. I thought it was lactation. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) They might have something to say about that. (laughs) They were really cool dudes. I I interviewed the singer and guitarist. Yeah, their music's dope as fuck. Yeah, they're definitely badass. Um, And so that'll be the next uh, regular episode we do. I'll be doing the uh, metal segment on those guys so really good shit and i did the interview and just like we're doing this week we'll do it that one where the interview will be released in its entirety after the episode as a bonus uh plug the 666 club guys how about that i mean the way people can get a hold of us and support it three bucks a month like you get all kinds of goddamn perks yeah the Inter- discounts on the merch, the episodes, episodes early. As soon as it's done, like you get the interviews the moment I get them done and I upload them. You're getting them just like you guys yeah. get them too. So it's a cool thing, and it's only three bucks. So Patreon.com. Nobody else gets to hear for months. That that's are right. Recorded. That's right. We got to do another one of those here before too long. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, so it's a good way to support the show. Six 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 Club. Link to that in the episode description. All right, guys, well, we have done plenty of metal tonight. Metal. So, Joey, what the fuck do we need to do? Let's get our mayhem on. If anybody tries to take my picture, I'll break their face, you understand me? It's your boy, Punky419 Skirt. I'm back with some more jams. This time I want to do a shout out to all the baby daddies in the house. All them boys that got their bitches pregnant, they welfare payments counting on that shit. So keep up the good work. You guys be populating the 419 with more little motherfuckers running around all over the goddamn place. And that's what's up. I'm dropping a special EP. Daddies of the 419 with four new songs just for them fathers out there. You know it's coming out on 419 Records, ho. Man, I got some tracks on this motherfucker that gonna be beating down the block. I got shit like, yo, who's your baby daddy? What about Gin and Jizz? Daddy fitting the fuck. And that new single that be dropping because it's so goddamn hot fire, Mama Needs That Bone. 
So pick up a copy of Daddies of the 419 on 419 Records and score 10% off when you mention my boys down at Murder Metal Mayhem. This is Punky out, bitch, 419, ho, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> oh my Daddy God. fit the fuck. <laughs> Daddy fit the fuck. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm glad oh, that I'm glad Christ. that we're his boys now again after he shot at us right? last week. Dude, oh that, my like, god! God damn, Jesus. dude! I don't like being shot at. Wow! Before <laughs> that, some necro cannibal ass grinder, Joey. You were on that track with him. Yeah, I, was, I did that. Uh, it was a meth fueled death bender. That was the name of the song. And uh, <clears throat> something classic about that track is fucking. <clears throat> well, two classic things. That track right there is available on the new Gormager mixtape that just came out this week. I just oh, got okay. the physical copies. Uh, fucking check that out. That track's on there. But also, what's on the mixtape is I got some Punky Brook shit. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. I used I used the fucking uh, the WVK disc as like the outro. So whenever I did the fucking rap about WVK, and then I used the fucking uh, the four one nine records one that I did. But also, the intro to the mixtape is uh, one that no one on here has heard before. Uh, it's just Punky Brooks talking about the new Gormonger shit. But what I'm going to do is, because on my band camp, I have individual tracks or whatever. I'll link that to the fucking uh, Murder Mel Mayhem group page. Oh, that'd be oh, great. After this drops so that people can check it out if they want to. Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome, dude. That's awesome. And good interview you did. Yeah. And uh, goddamn, yeah, Phil fucking always spread the word about some underground I metal. I mean, it makes it easy for me whenever it's somebody who I'm homies with and of we're course. just sitting there like... Talking yeah, and shit. It's a good yeah, conversation. Just, yeah. So I can't, I can't take full credit for how fucking classic they come out because it is just natural. But. Yeah, no, it's all good. All right, well, we got some mayhem tonight, and you guys picked this very interesting topic here. <laughs> We're going to, three of us, tell stories about one time we got our asses kicked. Like, beat the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, so Joey, why don't, you said you wanted to start. Yeah, I'll Let's start go, this man. one. I'm not even 100,000% positive I haven't already told this on here, but that's okay. Like, that's if right. I did same, honestly. Yeah, if I did, then fuck it. But yeah, who cares? And anyway, but this one also ties in with the prison aspect of the episode that we're doing. Okay. Because this happened to me while I was in prison. So uh, if anybody didn't know, I was locked up, you know, mad years ago or whatever here in Illinois. Because sometimes you leave, you come here on vacation, you leave on probation. <laughs> That's what they say. So anyway, I went to the penitentiary. So anyway, while I was in there, in this prison, fucking... I made my way to what they call uh, minimum security at the towards the end of my bit, which was like the easiest. They had the most, uh, you know, I'm saying like yard freedom yeah, get, and yeah, shit like that. Right. I wasn't in my cell like all day long. I was basically going to school or, or working out or doing something like all day long. It's like basic training. They start you out really difficult, yeah. and then as you go, it kind of eases up right. a little bit. So anyway, so I made it to this place whenever I was, you know, I only had like half a year to go. So I was what they consider a short-timer. Uh, short-timer, you just fucking do your best not to fucking get yourself off into Man. shit so you don't fuck your time Don't up. do nothing dumb. Fucking. Right. Now, there was this dude who that I ended up in there with. He came in the same time that I did to, to the prison, um, and he was just, he was a big hoss, big old guy. Right. And they call him country. Now, this dude would act one way when he was around all the white dudes. Then he would act totally different way when he was around, like, all the black dudes or whatever. Right. And he was just really, really phony and shit. So 
it would just fucking rub on me for no reason. Like I should have just ignored this dude <laughs> completely, but I, it just rubbed on me. So one time we're sitting there uh, and we're like, we're in one of the same classes together. We're taking fucking college courses or whatever, or at that. T- no, actually, I think at that time I was done taking courses and I was working as like a, a student aide for them, like teacher's assistant. And something that he was saying rubbed me the wrong way and I fucking let it come out and I said something like <laughs> something wrong. Yeah. Mouthy, you know what I'm saying? And he was like, Yeah, man, I'll find you after fucking class, you know, and it's like high that, school. Yeah, and shit. it was just like that, like that whole deal. Now at the same time, this dude probably has as much time as I do. He doesn't have a lot of time either, so like he's not really trying to fuck himself up either, you don't think, right. you know. So at this time I was on a fucking bunch of drugs. While you're in prison. Oh, my God. Because in prisons, they like to just give people fucking pills and shit. Because basically, I believe that they use, like, inmates as guinea pigs. And these psychologists, psychiatrists, they're fucking watching, like, what goes on. Uh, I might be a little bit fucking conspiracy theory about that. But I don't think I'm that far off. And uh, I didn't take anything myself because I was always like, I don't want to have that follow me out in the world that I got fucking mental problems or anything. So I fucking told them I was totally fine and I didn't fucking do all that shit, but other people did. And I would get their pills and shit that they wouldn't want to take. And, Cause that's just part of the economy whenever you're locked up. So, right, that's how you so I up. was like, definitely not really in my right mind through this fucking period. Um, and psychotropic drugs, like they definitely can affect like your attitude and fucking your decision-making and all that shit. And so, I'm on all those fucking things, so there's probably, like, a whole reason why I fucking let this dude irritate me and why I fucking mouthed off to him and everything else. So, anyway, so I say whatever I say. He fucking quips back at me. It's not like fucking it was a big fucking scene in the fucking room either. You know what I'm saying? It was just, like, known between us what was fucking going down. So, I walk out of the fucking, out of the classroom first whenever the fucking thing's over with, and then he comes fucking walking out, and he was like... He said something like, uh, so you really want to fucking do this? Or, you know, something along that lines. And I looked at him and I said, bro, I'm doing everything. Like I'm like, bro, if you hit me, I will fucking laugh at you, man. And I'm fucking getting in his face, like talking shit. And he's like restraining himself. And he's not doing anything. You know what I'm saying? And you're egging it on. And I'm egging it on like idiot. And finally, I just fucking get up in this dude's face. I was like, yeah, you ain't gonna do nothing because you're a fucking bitch. And fucking, as soon as I said that, he fucking reared back and cold cocked me upside my fucking head. I fucking stumbled back like... Wow. I mean, this dude was fucking big. And I fucking stumbled back and like, I was still on my feet though, but definitely dazed and shit. And all of a sudden, I just felt the warm fucking liquid pouring down my face and I was like... All right, I fucking walked up to dude. I just started laughing. I was like, ha ha! I was like, motherfucker! I told you I'd laugh at you. You hit me, you know. And he's just like, God damn! And he sees like my face bleeding and shit. And he's like, Holy! There's blood all over the fucking ground and shit. And like, I calmed down after that. And like I said, this is like while I was taking all the pills and shit. So it's like fucking just up and down, fucking. Wow. And and I'm like, I shake his hand. I said, yeah, man, I fucking tried you and you fucking acted. I was like, yeah, fucking, you fucking respect me, to you. You know what I'm saying? You fucked me up. And so we're like, oh, fuck, man. Now what do we do? You know? And so me and him both go down to the infirmary and we're like, man, we'll just say we're fucking playing basketball. I fucking caught an elbow, you know? Right. We go down to the infirmary and we fucking tell them that. And they're just like, 
do you do you know how many times we hear that oh, every sure. fucking yeah, day? Yeah, and I'm just <laughs> like, well, this time it's true, you know. And <laughs> there was nothing they could do, and me and him were obviously like in there together, not being dicks to each right. other, and they fucking, you know, I ended up getting fucking like five stitches. I had fucking raccoon eyes and a fucked up ass nose for like three, four days. Like I was that dude on fuck in the joint that, you know, everybody was yeah, like, damn, like, oh, he got wow. fucked up, you yeah, know, yeah, but I got lucky. I didn't fucking lose any time. Yeah, that. I didn't get out. sent to the hole. Like, right. but no, I got fucked up. That dude he fucked me up. Shot, I tested though. him and he fucking got he me. took a so, shot. Yeah. Chris, yeah. what about you, dude? Mine's a different story. Mine's at a bar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm uh, with some homies down in uh, southern Illinois, like the Centralia area. And uh, we're at this bar. And mind you, at this time, I'm rocking like a fucking, like a tall ass fucking like straight mohawk, like green fucking like punk style fucking mohawk. Okay. And we're down in this just old fucking like small ass town. Right, fucking, the good old boy yeah, shit Yeah, good old boy on. shit. Now, when, I, when we go to this bar with our buddies, like, I get told, hey, whatever you do, do not go anywhere without one of us. Don't <laughs> fucking do it. So I tested my luck. <laughs> we're out there fucking, we're having a good old time at the bar. I'm like, fuck it, I got to smoke a cigarette. And I just like basically turned around and walked away and just went outside. Next thing I know, I'm waking up on the fuck. I don't even know what happened. I just know stories. So... What I heard happened was I just walking outside and I just seen this chick. I was like, nice ass. So these three dudes, three dudes just jump on me. Dude. Oh boy. Like just start beating the fuck out of me is my, is what, what I've been told. I don't remember none of this shit. So like, I'm getting told like, dude, they fucking got you. We're fucking getting ready to beat ass and the cops show up and shit and the ambulance or whatever. And I just remember waking up like sitting on the curb by the ambulance and the motherfucking cops like, or the ambulance EMT was like, uh, do you know where you are? I'm like, I'm a fucking Fairbury, which I didn't even live in Fairbury at the time at all. Like, wow. They're like, no, you're in Centralia. I was like, how the fuck did I get to fucking Centralia? <laughs> like now, mind you, I had been drinking like from the time we left Bloomington to go to Centralia, I just started drinking a bottle of vodka. I fucking hate vodka. <laughs> like, all the way there, I'm just in the back of the truck, just pounding vodka, and then oh, we go boy. to the bar and do all this shit. So I end up going to the fucking hospital. I got stitches like in the side of my foot, in the corner, like the temple area of my left eye and shit. Wow. Fucking, I'm all like Casper said, like raccoon eyed and shit, just beat the fuck up. And I got some, uh, I got some pain medication prescription so the next day we go to fucking uh where we were at the walmart down there the pharmacy to get my uh prescription filled out and old girl behind the counter was like holy shit i was like i was straight up like <laughs> i'm a cage fighter it's okay uh. <laughs> <laughs> like straight up I was like, she's like oh all right i was like yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> like, but yeah, I just apparently... Killer cage match before he was in for real, man. Yeah. yeah, for real. But yeah, wow. I, uh, that's, that's when crazy. I got the fuck beat out of me, dude, by fucking like three dudes. Like, I don't remember none of it. Wow. Don't get drunk and talk shit. I, I 
apparently. Well, my story is very different from both of you because I was completely one hundred percent sober. Well, I'm. Sh- oh, I, I. So, so here's my story. I was probably nineteen, twenty, somewhere in there. Um, lived by my own with a roommate, and um, I was home one night. It was like a Friday night, I think Friday or Saturday. And I'm home by myself, and I don't know if somebody... I think my friends came to my apartment, like a group of my friends, and they were like, man, you need to come down to the park. We used to hang out at this place called Rogers Park in Danbury, which is where a lot of fucking stupid shit went down, because you got a bunch of drunk people hanging around, smoking dope, driving... The, the, the town, you know, and then come back. and Yeah, doing the laps know. on the street. Yeah, the yeah. circuit thing, yeah, yeah. you know. So anyway, uh, so I'm like, what's going on, you know? And they're like, well, this dude's down there. There's three of them. And, you know, they were fucking talking all this shit, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, one of them looked pretty tough. And, man, none of us could fucking, you know, we don't know what to do. And, I, of course, looking back on it, I just should have said, why don't you just come on in and let's fucking have yeah, a good time and fuck that place, shit. Fuck it. But no, you know, I'm like, all right, fuck that prick. You know? <laughs> of course. So I get in my car. Or they drove me. I don't remember now. I got down there and we're standing out by their car, jamming tunes and just hanging out, thinking that maybe these guys are going to come back. Don't know. So the car pulls up with these three dudes in it. And one of them's like in the passenger seat and he fucking says something. And I say something back to him like, fuck you or something like (laughs) that. So he gets out of the fucking car. Now, this dude, like at the time, I wasn't nearly as fat as I am now. Okay, so, I mean, I was pretty good size and not fat. And this dude wasn't quite as bulky as I was. But this dude looked like he could fucking fight. And f- later found out he was a fucking gold glove fucking boxer yeah, in Danbury. Fucking, yeah, he fuck fucking around. came up to me and without like any indication, just like hauled off and fucking Rocked decked you. me like Joey was talking about. Yeah. Knocked my ass. I yeah. think I went to a knee <clears throat> and I was just like, holy shit. Like I got fucking tagged. And then I got up. And we were going at it, but then he hit me again really hard, and I was fucking out. And he got those two fucking punches in, and it was just like, holy shit, like getting hit with an anvil. (laughs) I mean, just fucking connected, like really bad. And so anyway, they fucking, you know, got in their car and took off. Of course, none of my friends did anything. Yeah, you can't even help a brother out. I came down here because you fucking were in trouble, and then I go to bed. I'm the one that, yeah, I'm the one I that get gets beat up, up. You know what the fuck? So anyway, I'm fucking just pissed off, you know, about it. So I fucking left and went back to my apartment, you know, and my whole fucking face was like completely like bruised. Yeah, like I was just like one bruise. Right, and it uh, knocked. Um, Oh, it broke the one of my two front teeth in half. Busted the tooth in the front. And I didn't have any kind of insurance or anything at the time. I was living completely on my own. Yeah. I didn't have a car. That's what it was. Because remember, I had a walk to the dentist. It was like seven miles. Jesus. I hitchhiked for some of it, but I didn't get rides the whole way. So I had to fucking get there. 
and I had 70 bucks in my pocket and that's all I had, you know? And I went to this dentist. I sat there all day cause I didn't have an appointment. Yeah. So I had to sit there all day and then Waiting finally, for an opening. yeah, he called me back and he looks at it and I'm like, look, man, all I got is 70 bucks. Like, is there anything you could do? And he's like, well, you know, we could bond it. He goes, there's no guarantee it's going to last, but if it lasts more than a six months or a year, you're never getting it off. Yeah. Like, it's one or the other, yeah. you know? Right. Is that what you have now? Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, uh, so yeah, so he bonded the tooth, and then I was like, are you sure you could do this for 70, you know, because that's all I got, yeah. you know? Yeah, wait, how long ago was this? Uh, like, uh, this would have been eight, like uh, 80, yeah, 87, 88, yeah. somewhere in there. Which still still wasn't a whole lot of money. But no, no, like that's you all I had. You want to try and get that done nowadays? You're talking about fucking fifteen to two, two grand. Exactly. So so anyway, I went up to the debt the front desk to pay, and the lady said he said no charge. Just oh, nice. That's fucking have a dope. good day. Oh, yeah. And so that was really cool. And then when I went out front, there was a fucking cab out front. And uh, and the guy's like, hey, are you Pete? And I said, yeah. And he says, come on. And he said, he took care of the. Where do you want to go? And I'm like, man, fuck yeah. So liquor store. I took he the cab back to too? my apartment. I didn't have to walk all the yeah. way because I was telling him, I'm like, I walked all the way here. Like I was trying everything I could to get somebody right, to help right. me out. And the dude all was, because you got beat up. Awesome. You obviously look like you got fucked up. So they oh, I was bad. fucked up, and yeah. I had a picture of me. Hanging up in my apartment, and it's I wrote at the bottom, "Thanks, guys." Yeah, and a couple of them, like months later, came over to like a party at my at my right, apartment because right. we were constantly partying there, and they saw that, and I was just like, "Yeah, like there you go." That's what you called yeah. me over here to yeah, help you. So you that, didn't help that was me. pretty Fuck brutal, you. but whatever. <laughs> I was pretty jacked. So then when I got in the army years later. I told them, you know, I'm like, finally, for the first time, I've got dental, you know. So I went and had my teeth checked, and I said, hey, I've got this bonded tooth. Like, is there any way you could, like, put a cap? Like, if that thing is still on there, it's never coming off. I'm like, that's what the guy said. That, But he's like, he was right. Like, once those things are there, like, it's not coming off unless you lose a tooth, you know. Right. So, so yeah. So I still got uh, here 40 years or oh, so yeah. later. The bonded tooth still was holding strong. Fights. But yeah, that dude rang my bell. That wound up having to go to court because I got arrested for breach of peace. The cops showed up down there, arrested all of us, and I got arrested for breach of peace. So my mom worked for an attorney, and the attorney went to court with me, and I got off because I was obviously Goddamn the victim. white privilege. I was the victim. <laughs> yeah. I was the victim, you know, obviously from the right, pictures. Right. And the dental and all that stuff. And so, and the guy was a gold glove fighter. That's how I found out about that. Yeah. And so they fucking, I don't know if he did time, but he definitely got like fines right. and a bunch of shit. Right, right. And the other guys with them got some minor shit because they all got out like when it all was going down. Like everybody was all standing around. The cop showed up. And yeah, it's fucking everybody. Old fucking street fight. Right. So. So yeah, so that's my story. So very good. Uh, love yeah. doing some uh, mayhem stories, especially when all three of us have one yeah, with a the theme awesome. of us getting our yeah. asses kicked. So. All right, killer cage match, guys. That's when we got a list of seventy-five killers, seventy-five objects for him to fight with, 
And Chris, our random numbers are generated from our listeners. Who do we want to say thank you to? Once again, we have fucking Dan Lance, Justin Morris, 419 representing Punky. Hell yeah. And fucking Ray Long Dollar McFall. Hell yeah. He's coming wow. in hot. Ray McFall's with the man of a thousand fucking nicknames, but now he's in Long Donger. Uh, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> So, and of course, now Joey confesses he was the one that posted the <laughs> long donger. I just thought it was funny, so I went with it. So, uh, like I said, I was like, man, that might have crossing the line. <laughs> you put it in the notes. I was like, yes. All dudes in the thanks tonight it for was. the fans listening and the listeners posting, and we appreciate it. Uh, ladies taking a little break. We usually have, you know, Rebecca and the other girls in there, but that's all right. I feel, the guys like, got I feel it tonight. like we'll see them again. And the guys delivered two killer fucking mat- a matchup. Two killer of a- killers. Wicked yeah. killer matchup, Joey. What's the, who's fighting? I mean, these dudes are going to beat each other's asses. We got fucking Richard Ramirez, Green Door Intruder, and then he's going up against Fuck fucking yeah. half, one half of the Toy Box Killers, the meaner half. Toolbox. Toolbox. <laughs> toy box toolbox roy pliers bitaker fuck yeah the nastier of the two for yeah. sure so uh, all right so we got a couple of objects though they're gonna fight with chris what do we got here tonight i mean one of them is a toolbox killer so it makes sense we got a screwdriver okay and an anal fleshlight okay so I, not just the fleshlight no, the it's, anal it's a butthole okay all right it's a butthole. Very cool. And then, Joey, we got a variable here tonight kind of interesting. The variable is the one and only Bridget the Midget. Oh, God yeah. damn it. So we got Richard Ramirez fighting Roy Bittaker. Brutal fucking matchup. Very physical. Sick, sadistic fucking duo there. With a screwdriver and an anal fleshlight. And Bridget the Midget is in the cage with him. Chris, what the fuck? What do you think here? Man. Okay, so I'm going to go with Ramirez for somehow he gets that screwdriver. Fuck fucking Bittaker getting the fucking screwdriver. Fuck you and your tools. I think Bridge is basically going to take that goddamn anal fucking fleshlight, stick it up her own ass. Oh, wow. Have Bittaker start fucking it and then... Toy box is just or Ramirez is going to come up and start stabbing fucking Bittaker's eyes out with the fucking, screwdriver, and then fuck him in the ass because he's like, I might as well do this as this too. I don't give a fuck, and he just kills both. I'm giving it to Ramirez. Okay, I'm kind of Joey. What do you think, man? I mean, physically. Ramirez and Toolbox, I mean, that's definitely a good fucking... I, I was going to say, I think that's pretty close. Like, yeah, that's they're a, very close. That's a pretty good tail of the tape right there. Yeah. Uh, I think whenever the bell rings, I think fucking both of them are going to get in a fucking, uh, fucking fist lock right there. Fucking right in the middle of the fucking ring, just fucking wrestling each other. And Ramirez is going to be fucking praying for Satan to come down and give him the power to fucking take out this fucking fool. <laughs> and Toolbox Killer, he's just fucking reliving all the fucking other killings that he's done. And he just fucking. You think he's wishing for a pair of fucking pliers man, I mean, instead of a screwdriver? Pliers, but. I mean, so, he's got a screwdriver. 
eventually the problem with Richard Ramirez is that motherfucker has been staying up so many goddamn nights killing people and doing so much drugs and shit so much and listening to ACDC that he fucking (laughs) he's just not fucking his stamina isn't there for fucking uh, pliers so pliers ends up fucking wrestling him down fucking wearing him out and he's like you know what I'm fucking Lawrence Bittaker. I'm the tu- I'm the fucking toolbox guy. They match. You know up. what? I need to make me a tu- some something special. So what he does is he grabs him a piece of Bridget the midget, brings her over to him, fucking sticks like a whole, that like a piece. Well, like, he grabs Bridget the midget. Uh, she, she she's so small. She's like a piece. piece. Right. Yeah, she's yeah. a piece of what he's about to assemble. So he grabs himself the the Bridget the midget, and then he inserts the anal flashlight into her pussy, which he then takes the screwdriver and inserts that into the anal fleshlight and then he makes Bridget the Midget fuck Richard Ramirez and his ass with that fucking screwdriver cock <laughs> that he's made because oh, that's boy. his new toolbox toy that he's got. Okay. So I'm going to give it up to Bittaker. Alright. God damn. <laughs> wow. What the fuck? Dude? Hell yeah. That's like MacGyver. MacGyver. Yeah and you guys both came up with option you know totally different outcome. I don't know man. I mean these guys like you said are so physically you know, similar that I think it's going to come down to who gets a hold of something that's going to change the game, like either the screwdriver. That anal fleshlight's got some girth to it. I mean, (laughs) you could use that to fucking bludgeon somebody. So I'm wondering if uh, Ramirez might want to try to get Bittaker's eyes so that he could watch him rape Bridget the Midget. All you know, right. so I mean, I'm thinking like Chris is leaning towards Ramirez. I'm kind of leaning that way that Ramirez is going to get Bittaker's eyes so that he could watch him Go rape fuck. Bridget the Mitchell. If I was if I was to do a fucking second take on mine, I would probably do something where while the two are fucking locked up in the middle of the cage, fucking fighting each other, it would still go that route. But then Bridget the Midget would be fucking getting annoyed by that stupid ass shit. And she'd fucking spider crawl up the wall, do a backflip, and land with her pussy over both of them. Oh, over their heads. Suffocate oh, both of, their both heads. of them. And then Bridget the Midget would win in that. Wow. Yes. Yeah, that would be nice. That'd be sweet. <laughs> I mean, their oh, heads yeah. might come out of her shoulders, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we got three totally different outcomes with this one. This is great. Hell yeah. I love doing some killer cage match. Always fun. And thanks to the listeners again for Absolutely. contributing. All right, I've been talking about my new book, guys, Deeper Than Dead. It's out now. Everybody's digging on it. Uh, Thank you, those of you that have commented and sent in emails and stuff and got some great reader reviews I've posted. Uh, So you can get your own copy, deeperthandead.com. Got it in color, 8.5 by 11 size, and then the 6 by 9 black and white version. But the book is the same. So uh, that's out there. Um, also, I finished my short story, Death of a Resurrection Man, which oh, I really yeah. liked the way that turned out. Uh, it's hard to write a story or anything set in a time period that you, no- that you know nothing about. <laughs> right? So I can only imagine. You dude. cannot take anything for granted. Walking across the street, what does the street look like? Um, you know, w- working and getting from two places when you have no car. You yeah, know, car, so you're, like your horse you're, and carriage shit. You, know? you might not have enough money for a fucking goddamn horse and carriage. Right. You might be and walking, walking everywhere. Right. So it's really challenging. So when I can, when I feel I can pull it off, 
it makes me very proud. And I spent a lot of time researching the Burke and Hare story, read books about it. The diary I got, though, the printed diary of the Resurrection Man was fucking amazing. Hell yeah. So many cool little things. Like I learned, for example, the cemeteries would put gravel in with the dirt so that if the grave robbers were trying to steal them, they would hear the shovels hitting the gravel and it would alert them. So it was like a warning. But that kind of detail I tried to put in there and uh, really happy with that. But uh, that's the last short story I'm doing before I get started with this new novel, Etched in Flesh. So uh, I'll be filling people in on that because I know a lot of listeners have said they they like my writing. So I appreciate you guys for doing that. Uh, the YouTube channel, we've talked about this over and over, but, you know, we're constantly adding stuff. I'm going to be uploading that laceration interview oh, I yeah. did, so right. that'll be up there. And again, um, once uh, Joey's moved out and we're fucking... Uh, yeah, we're You doing... finally get to move out of the fucking studio, bro. <laughs> yeah. You've been living here fucking since how long? I know, since the <laughs> pandemic started. Growing but, up. Yeah, once we start doing them on Zoom... Yeah. Then we're going to have those videos. Yeah, Yeah, so that'll be cool. It'll be Chris and I here in the studio, but we'll be looking at Joey on our laptops uh, on his, uh, you know, setup in in Toledo. So it's going to be really cool. A new chapter for the podcast, but I think we'll do fine. Uh, It'll definitely help being able to see each other than doing it just, you know, the audio. But... uh, I think we've done plenty of mayhem tonight, guys, so let's hit that fucking outro. man the band joey you turned me on yeah, to this released one. anger released anger very very cool song problems remain fucking uh greece a band from greece Dude, fucking greece has some it. amazing musicians they really do they really do so tell me more tell me more <laughs> <laughs> so yeah released anger i'm sure you'll hear more of them on here and yeah try to get a hold of those guys maybe do an interview that'd be really cool um so yeah some great thrash Fucking right. Yeah. Huge thanks to our buddy Tex for coming on Fuck and chatting Tex. with us. Always always a pleasure. He gave us some really, really good insight yeah, on that one to tonight. Because you sure. know, he's familiar with that prison yep. even. That was even better. Also, Joey, your your buddy, Gummo Wall Bacon. Yeah, man, Necro Blast Grinder. Thank you for doing the interview and yeah. I hope uh, you dig the fucking metal segment we Yeah, did. definitely. And thanks for supporting the show, Hell man. Yeah. Appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you so Phil. much, dude. Uh, Chris, Come, bumper music tonight. Who do we jam and t- the one and only Necro Cannibal Ass Grinder? Fucking released anger and fucking gruesome. Fucking all killing it. Hell yeah, very very sure. Uh, Joey, what about that metal segment intro? That's music? done by the band Chrysix. Hell yeah, and Murder Metal Mayhem's intro, of course, by Low Fucking Twelve, uh, jamming that crawl space. Hell yeah. Thanks to all of you out there listening. We keep seeing the numbers coming in. We're over 3,000 this week, so thank you very, very much. 
fucking Tell right. your friends about it. Tell your grandma, fucking Aunt, yeah. uh, Aunt Myrtle, whatever. If they don't like it, just tell them to leave a Fuck review them. anyway. It doesn't matter if it's a bad review. Exactly. It doesn't <laughs> it's a matter. Review. It doesn't matter. All right, but we do have some great listeners. We want to read some comments, yes, Chris. First um, we got a Carmaraza over here is, uh, says, I love you guys. Uh, great podcast. It keeps getting better. Well, we try the best we can. Awesome, man. Thanks, Thank Carmine. You. We appreciate that very much. Joey, what about that second one? Uh, Daniel Crawford, 5655, said, I heard about you from my boss, and we jam your shit every week. I love the metal features you guys do. I've been jamming the Flayed Disciples since I heard Pete do that band. I am a listener in Las Vegas. Hell yeah. That's cool. Flayed Disciple. Yeah. Uh, definitely love those guys. Fuck I yeah. was listening to that today too. As a matter of fact, all right. The third one, I love this uh, this screen name here. Killing posers every day. Commented. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> that David Bernie episode was great. I'm from Perth, and I thought you guys did a great job talking about him. So, thank you, right, Killing Posers every day. There you go. Yeah, that's right. awesome. Uh, Chris, what about the last one? uh, Kenneth McDaniels right here says, I'm a new listener from Denver, and you guys have me laughing every week. Thanks for keeping me company on the road. I'm a truck driver. Honk, honk. Hell yeah, (laughs) Kenneth. (laughs) Hey, I bet we have a lot of truck drivers that listen to this shit. So thank you guys for keeping America fucking moving. Thank you, Kenneth, for fucking listening. And keep the goods getting to the stores. Put that shit out when you hop on that CB radio, like, break one nine. Let yeah. me get a listener yeah. made, made of mayhem coming on. <laughs> <laughs> and if that's you're a right. serial killer that we may talk about one day, you never that's know. That's no. Yeah, you know we'll do it right. You know, yeah, we'll you know it we're right. going to do you all right. We're not just going to Wikipedia that shit. Right? <laughs> we're going to be like, we're going to talk to your third grade fucking teacher. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Now. You could pick up my book, Deeper Than Dead, by going to deeperthandead.com, get a copy of it. Um, the Infernal Deluxe Edition is in full color, 8.5 by 11, and a standard paperback in black and white. So two options, a full color poster, 18 by 24-inch poster, really killer artwork by Brian Usual on that. So deeperthandead.com. Also check us out, murdermetalmayhem.com. Listen to those past episodes. You could like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, any platform we're out there, leave comments, you know, rate the show, whatever you can do. Even if you think we're a bunch of fucking douchebags, you know, put that shit down. Because <laughs> right. we're going to read, I'm going to read one of those. I'll, I mean, read, about, I'll read I used the bad to ones love those like, in low 12. I'll read the shit out. used to love that, that shit in low 12. <laughs> Lived off that shit in low 12. Would put it on flyers <laughs> like, in low 12. Like it was a badge shit, please. of fucking <laughs> honor. It was a badge of honor. Yeah, the guy that called my house back when we had a low 12 answering machine. Yeah. Somebody called the number and said his daughter got kicked out of kindergarten for singing Crawl Space in the classroom. That's awesome. And the teacher asked her what she was saying because she was saying, hello, my name is Gacy. And she was and the mother. And the parents got called down to the schools and fucking peeking. That's uh, fucking And I was awesome. like, what? Like, 
I had to call the guy. I met the kid. They brought her to a show. It was fucking awesome. There's a picture of her and me fucking throwing the horn. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I love that kind of shit. That was just great. You know, the the negative stuff was, you know, almost better than the good I, shit, you know. I don't even think that was negative. I think No, that was it turned out positive with her. But yeah, yeah. The fact that she got kicked out of the, the class and they had to go get her and they wanted to let me know that, you know, she I, was singing Crawl They're like, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> when, they, uh, when they released the fucking, the special edition of Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's like one, it goes back to one of the most banned horror movies of all time, like when it came out. But anyway, whenever they fucking put out the special edition DVD, it's got like rave reviews and it's like four fucking people saying that the movie was awesome and shit. And then it's got fucking hate reviews. Oh, nice. And it's just like fucking 50 of them of people just talking how it's a trash ass piece of shit and how you know terrible it is and this and that That's but it's, funny. it's awesome that they included that yeah on there, yeah you know? yeah i used to love doing that shit all right so you can support the show by going to our patreon uh patreon.com slash murder metal mayhem i'll link to that in the episode description just three bucks a month can't let them go without hearing a karaoke song a little blast in the past so crank it up and until next time, keep one foot in the gutter. Put the other one in the gutter this time. There I was completely wasting out of working down. All inside it's so frustrating as I drift from town to town. Nobody cares if I live or die So I might as well begin to put some action in my life Fuck yeah! Breaking the law, breaking the law 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 So much for the golden future I can't even start I've had every promise broken This anger in my heart You don't know what it's like You don't have a fucking clue If you did, you'd find yourself Doing the same thing too, yeah Breaking the law, breaking the law Breaking the law, breaking the law Breaking the law, breaking the law Breaking the law, breaking the law
Mother, man.